Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Anant. And I'm your other co-host Rakshak. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. So today we will be recapping Week 13 of the NFL regular season and then previewing Week 14. But before that, we are going to be breaking down some Hamakedar news where the first bit of news is a Kachira moment again, man. Oh, like, no. Again. This time, it's a, I've never seen this before. Okay. And it is a former Jaguars employee who has been accused of stealing over $22 million from the franchise over a four-year period by manipulating the franchise's virtual credit card program, according to documents filed this week in the United States District Court near Jacksonville, Florida. I have no words. Literally guess who the culprit was? Who was it? A Desi boy by the name of Amit Patel. What? So the attorney's office is charging Amit Patel with wire fraud and illegal money transaction, alleging that he held various titles during his tenure with the Jaguars, most recently manager, financial planning and analysis, used his position as the sole overseer of the franchisee's VCC program or the virtual credit card program, and that would fund his personal purchases and cover up his theft. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe he, so he's accused of stealing $22,221,454.40, where some of the purchases includes a condominium in Ponte Vedra Beach, a Tesla Model 3 sedan, some mm -hmm. cryptocurrency, chartering private jets, luxurious oh hotel stays, and a country club membership and luxury wristwatches. What? So, yeah. I don't know what to say, man. Yeah, it's it's the most uh, shocking thing that I've heard uh, in a while. That's definitely not saying the least. Like, that. that's just wow. Wow. I, uh, I have no words. Exactly. All we can do is just move on to the next piece of the Makadar news. Yeah. Um, and before I go on to the next news, I just found out a couple of days ago, you know how we look into college football, right? Uh-huh. Apparently, like, not only do we have, like, for Division One, there's, like, an FCS, um, like, uh, which is, like, the Division One football championship level, which is, like, Division One AA. This is the second highest. Like basically, that's the um, I I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, that that's basically like your um, we're North Dakota State, like where Jordan Love used to play, right? Right, South Dakota State, yeah, or yeah. Uh, Utah State, Utah State, yeah, Utah State, and all that. Apparently, I just found out in the morning that the University of Albany. The great U Albany or SUNY Albany or State University of Albany, SUNY Albany is actually is actually in the playoffs this year. And they're hey. and they're facing the Idaho Vandals. And whoever goes there will and whoever wins that game will face South Dakota State in the semifinals. How crazy is that? Look at you, man. Local heroes. Oh my god. Let's go. Let's go, Gaines. I want to give a shout out to that. But um, nice, back to nice. 
professional football. I mean, like, I'm still shocked. I'm like, wait, what? I remember <laughs> having a football team, but I didn't think of it like that. And apparently, yeah. Villanova is in that. Villanova was in there, but they lost to South Dakota State. Ah, uh, okay. But this is the same Villanova that had a legendary running back by the name of Brian Westbrook. Oh, there you yeah. go. But North Dakota State, you have Carson Wentz. South Dakota State, you have Dallas Goddard. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, so, um, this was, I thought, um, and, and the other set of news is, um, so on November 9th, um, we all saw that Hayden Hurst suffered a concussion in, um, Chicago, um, in Chicago on November 9th. Um, mm -hmm. And apparently he was diagnosed, um, his, his, um, his father, Jerry Hurst, um, posted a message on what on about a son's condition on Wednesday evening, a few hours after Hayden appeared at a practice for the first time since suffering from that uh, concussion. But according to ESPN's David Newton, um, it said that Jerry Hurst wrote on Twitter or X saying that Hayden has been diagnosed with post-traumatic amnesia by an independent neurologist, slow recovery. Don't know when he'll be back prayers. And um, I mean, yeah. it, it's a little sucked. bit of an update for that one. I believe he was at practice a couple of days ago. Yeah, he's at practice, uh, but he's in the but he's basically in the in that red shirt. He's wearing one of those red jerseys for uh, limited play. But apparently, he said that Panthers Hayden Hurst said that um he does not believe that the PT the post traumatic amnesia he was diagnosed after suffering by the concussion will be career ending. He's saying that he's doing better every day. It's not going to end my career. Just being cautious as I come back should be another week or two. And he appreciates the support and all that. But um, he said, while it was scary, it is not career ending. I'm starting my return to playing this week. So fingers crossed I make it back for the last few weeks. God bless and keep pounding. Um, I mean, this guy, um, he was the first round pick by the Jags in 2018. Um, and he's trying to target December 17th with just a home game against the Falcons. And or the, the 24th Christmas Eve game against the Packers if he returns in one or two weeks. So, um, I mean, PT, post-traumatic amnesia, according to Cleveland Clinic, amnesia that develops after an injury can invo involve multiple forms of amnesia. It can invoke confusion and frustration in those impacted because they have difficulty remembering where they are and how they got there. Um, and I just hope for the best for Hayden Hurst. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. G's up for the man. Yeah, uh, and what a terrible, terrible injury to recover from, but yeah. And what I'll say this for Hayden Hurst, take as much time as you need. If you need to sit, uh, sit out the entire season, I completely understand. And exactly. I mean, it's not like the Panthers are going anywhere. They have the number one pick, but oh well, they don't oh, have the number one pick. Because it's gone to the freaking Bears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all, all right. I know. Mm -hmm. Moving on. To the next bit of the Makada news, it's a little bit of comical news at this point. Uh, at, at this point, and it's not anything that is sad or cuts it a moment. It is that the Jets have established who they're going to start uh, at the QB position versus the Texans. Oh, and it's none other than Zachariah Wilson. Wow, Zach Wilson coming back as a starter for the Texans. <laughs> And this means that you immediately have to pick up the Texans defense on any available franchise like fantasy league, whether it's dynasty, whether it's daily, whatever it is, 
pick up the Texans defense because they will net you at least 15 points, maybe five sacks and like a touchdown or something like that. Or, they sting, will or another stingly pick. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, probably two picks, a touchdown and about five sacks. So, you know, expect, expect a lot of turnovers from this game uh, from Zach Wilson because he stinks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of good news for us right there. Yeah. And, oh, I have a follow-up. I have a follow-up news, which is actually breaking news. Um, this was today, um, according to ESPN staff writer Ben Baby. That's his last name, Baby. B-A-B-Y. I'm not joking. Nice. Uh, apparently, the Cincinnati, according to that, um, if we all remember on week 11 that Joe Burrow suffered a season-ending injury, Mm-hmm. Apparently, the Bengals did not violate the injury policy before oh. suffered that injury. That um, injury. The NFL, um, for those for a little bit of context, the NFL was investigating why Barrow was not listed on the injury report leading up to that game against the Ravens. And a social media post by the team today showed Barrow wearing compre- a compression sleeve in his right hand coming out the plate which was then deleted and and he did suffer a torn ligament in his right wrist during the loss and he felt a pop after he threw that touchdown pass to joe mixon which was one play after borrow was hit by jadavion Clowney. and cbs first reported the nfl's determination that the bengals had not committed a violation so uh but he did but he did um under undergo a successful surgery on november 27th to repair the tear and he's been with the team as he starts his recovery. But I don't get what the NFL. They should be fining the Bengals for this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a big fine for the Bengals, especially because of the amount of eyeballs and money that Joe Burrow himself generates for the NFL. Like, it's a huge, huge loss. I mean, I'm sure people, like, yeah, it was an over overtime game between the Bengals and, and the Jaguars this past week. Spoiler alert. But, uh, you know, even if it was, I'm sure more eyeballs would have been tuned to the TVs or to streaming devices uh, where if Joe Burrow was the starting QB and if the Bengals were in the playoff race, that would have been, you know, much more exciting for January football for the NFL. But uh, because he's not there, maybe, you know, they're definitely going to face some repercussions. The NFL is not going to let money slide out from the table, you know? So you know, even if that happens, um, you know they're they're going to force uh, some sort of penalties on on the Bengals. And another bit of the Makedar news. Oh, this time it's with it. It's from college football itself. Jaden Daniels, the LSU QB, is this year's Heisman Trophy winner. Oh wow! This is happening live. This just happened a couple minutes ago. Oh, congratulations to LSU QB Jaden Daniels. Mm-hmm. He is Tell the, us a little bit about him. He is the third player to hoist the Heisman in LSU history. He had one of the best, you know, years for a, a Heisman Trophy player. Obviously, it's it's not compared to Joe Burrow's, you know. 7,000 yards or like 4,500 yards or something like that. Some some ridiculous stat line uh, that Joe Burrow had when he won uh, that, uh, you know, the Heisman Trophy award with LSU himself, uh, with LSU. But this time, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels for this year 
he had 4,946 yards of offense, 3,800 passing yards, and 1,134 rushing yards, and 50 total touchdowns with less than just 10 turnovers. So this was arguably one of the best, um, you know, years that he's had. He's just 22 years old. Most likely he's going to be, you know, in the first round draft conversation uh, with, um, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Um, and he originally started in Arizona State before transferring to LSU. And so this year he led all FBS players or the Division One football players of NCAA or, co- or collegiate athletics in QBR with 95.7 yards per attempt, 11.7 yards per attempt, which was an Ooh. FBS record, which Joe Burrow did not receive when he had the league's highest scoring offense uh, with, you know, Joe Burrow and um, Jamar Chase and uh, Terrence Marshall. And I'm forgetting another famous uh, LSU wide receiver there. But, you know, even before, uh, even he couldn't compete this, uh, uh, this record here. And then passing touchdowns, 40, as well as completions of 20 yards or more, which was 70 completions. He had 72.2 completion percentage, which was seventh in the nation. And total offensive yards per game, 412.2, was first. 74 yards better than the next best player. So wow. he he is a typical, he is your, you know, um, uh, what is it? Prototypical dual threat quarterback because not only is he very efficient and explosive with the passing game, he also was only topped by 25 running backs in terms of yards per game, uh, rushing yards per game, and his 8.4 rushing yards per attempt was good enough for fourth in FBS amongst all running backs. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's very very positive news for uh, Jaden Daniels. So. You know, he's going to be getting a lot of first round draft pick conversation, um, you know, uh, you know uh, topics of con- he's going to be in the first round uh, in terms of, um, you know, QBs that might be drafted uh, because this is a pretty interesting QB dra- uh, QB class, uh, probably one of the deepest that we've had in a while since like 2020 uh, or 2021. Right. Uh, I think 2020 is probably the last one. It's pretty deep, but yeah, I mean, congratulations to him and uh, congratulations to him. So let's move on. What do you have? Finally, the last bit of the Makedar news. Radakshak, go ahead. Yeah, um, the last part of it is that we have a great, we have a curtain call for a great career services in the name of Robbie Gold. He and he's a former San Francisco 49er and Chicago Bears kicker, Robbie Gold. He announced his retirement from the NFL um, actually on December 7th in a story written for the Players Tribune. He said, Now, a lot, although football has been great, really great part of my life for the past 18 years, it is with the utmost regard and appreciation that I officially announced my retirement from the NFL. And he, he, who is, he is 41 years old. He's ranked 10th in his league history in points scored, 1,961 points, and 8th in field goals made, 447. 86.4% career success rate, 
is ninth overall in field goal attempts. All right, all right. I mean, what more could we say for Robbie Gold? Um, he was one of the most prolific uh, kickers in, in all time in NFL history, and I very well remember how many times he, uh, you know, he hurt the Packers with his wins in his legs. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think yeah. he said that in his thing. Um, you're, you're probably going to hate. Shield your ears. He wrote that his most memorable kick came in a playoff game against the Packers on January 22nd. Well, you probably course. know her which one. Of course. Yep. Uh, January 22nd of what year? 2022, I believe. They kicked a 45-yard uh, field goal yeah. with four seconds left to go to the NFC oh, Championship man. game in which they would lose to the Rams. Yeah, that was not a fun game. Yep. That was not a fun game. Anyways, let's move on to a fun game that happened for the Packers, <laughs> especially uh, during the Week 13 cap. Some great bit of the market that news, but now we're going to move on to the Week 13 recap and uh, the first game for the Packers. Packers versus Chiefs. Oh, we win, baby. Oh, 27-19. 27-19. Now that I think about it, this is the first time in NFL Masala history that both teams of NFL Masala beat the Chiefs. Let's go. go. NFL Masala. Guess what, Chiefs? Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. I'm calling y'all's asses out. NFL <laughs> Masala is undefeated. Uh, Bow Nice. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I have a special message out to, you know, the other uh, the fans of the other NFC North teams, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions. To you fans out there. <laughs> the Packers have done it again. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan, Love. They have done it again. Packers fans, get ready for 15 years of winning MVP caliber QB play with the Super Bowl victory somewhere in there and then a bunch of painful playoff losses. But hey, at least... We would have more Super Bowl victories than the Bears. We would have more Super Bowl victories than the Vikings and the Lions. And we would have more Super Bowl appearances than the Vikings and the Lions because they haven't even appeared in any, especially the Lions. So while you Vikings try and figure out what to do with the QB position, whether to stick with Kirk Cousins or Josh Dobbs or draft another QB, and while the Bears continue to shit away good QB prospects due to a lack of patience, Packers fans will continue to fight for the division with the Lions. We may lose the division one year or two. We may lose it to the Lions. But hey, at least for the next 15 years, Packers are going to be uh, ruling this division for a long, long time. Suck it. Suck it. NFC North fans who are not Packers fans. 
This is the most excitement that I've had over a Packers win in the last couple of years. I mean, I don't remember any victory that was more sweeter than this one. Right? I mean, we've had a couple of good playoff victories, uh, especially against the Rams two years ago. Uh, we've had a couple of good victories on the road uh, in the past couple of years. We've had a good uh, couple of victories against division teams. But, I mean, this year, with all the amount of talking, trash talking that was done by Bears fans, by the Vikings fans, by the Lions fans saying, hey, 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 Packers, you don't have Aaron Rodgers. You have to figure out with another QB. You have to suck. You have to suck. Well, guess what? You are the ones who are sucking now. You guys are the ones who have to figure out who you have at QB. You guys are the ones that have been perennially pathetic at the QB position. Except for maybe the Vikings. The Vikings probably have at least some sort of legitimacy when it comes to the QB position. But Bears phase? I mean, you have done nothing. Absolutely nothing. One of the best QBs in your in your history is Jay Cutler. Like, that is the level of QB play that you guys have had. And if you know, Jordan Love throws for 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, you know, in his first starting career year. That would be more than any year for any QB for the Chicago Bears ever. So good luck, guys. Good luck. And for this win, man, we just didn't win. We dominated the reigning defending Super Bowl champions in the Kansas City Chiefs. We led all 60 minutes of this game. We forced Mahomes into three red zone sacks, which I think is the most in his entire career. And in two games versus Green Bay, two years ago in 2021, the COVID game that we played in Kansas City, and then now Patrick Mahomes' QB rating is 76.8 which by far is the lowest versus any team that he has faced multiple times in the NFL. And this is the only time in his career that he has a passer rating below 80 in consecutive starts versus the same team. We know how to crack Mahomes. We know how to destroy him. We know, and we proved it to you guys. We had a 75% red zone, red zone touchdown percentage on the offense while we held the Chiefs to just 50%. So, I mean, just looking through this entire game, I've seen so much improvement from the 2-5 and five record that we, uh, that we had at the trade deadline where we were, you know, sellers at the trade deadline. We traded away Rasul Douglas. You know, we looked like it was going to be one of the worst years on record for the Packers where some Packers fans were calling for the whole thing to be torn down. And if I'm truthful to myself, I was including myself in that uh, in that committee if the Packers continued the losing streak. But now, I mean, Jordan Love, Jordan Love has four games with three or more touchdown passes this season, which is by far the most amongst QBs this season, including more than some of these MVP candidates in Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, 
and Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa. Right, there you go. more touchdown, more games with three or more touchdown passes than any of these guys, and that guy's Jordan Love. I mean, that's just in, that's a huge turnaround, and I wonder how did that come about. I, I I just I want people to understand how Jordan Love is having a resurgence in that. Well, I'll strength. tell you how. How I'll tell you how, bro. The wide receivers in Jordan Love have found their groove now. Nice. From the two and five record from that loss, uh, this actually came out uh, a day or two ago. Jordan Love, in a press conference, along with some of his other wide receivers who were talking about it, was saying that, you know, from that game on, from that loss at two and five onwards, every single day they've had, uh, every single day or every single Tuesday, they've had. Players only meetings where Jordan Love and the wide receivers are going into a room, hashing the stuff out, and now they're seeing eye to eye, and they're seeing they're seeing stuff at the same level that Jordan Love is seeing. And what we saw in the in the previous weeks for Jordan Love is that yeah, he was throwing all these beautiful deep throws. But the problem was because the wide receivers were not on the same page, because Jordan Love did not tr have an, uh, enough trust in the wide receivers and in the game plan, it was falling short or it was falling away or if it, it was being intercepted or it just looked like Jordan Love was trying too much and too, too often where he put everything on his shoulders. But now, with the trust of his young wide receivers, with the trust of Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur, who are both on the same level in terms of aggressive play calling and play execution, they found their groove now. And to think, this is the youngest offense in the NFL. Every, almost everybody's on their rookie contracts. And almost everybody is, you know, young, raw, and talented. Hot damn. So it's going to be very exciting in the next couple of years to keep these guys on their rookie contract, especially next year where we still have Jordan Love on that small two-year extension that we signed him on. Uh, so obviously at the end of this year, we're probably like this. His extension is going to happen. He is going to become, you know, roughly a $50 million quarterback, right? Which, in my estimation, is probably a steal considering, you know, the amount of, of uh, inflation that has happened with the QB salaries, right? We used to think three, four years ago that when Aaron Rodgers signed his new contract, that was like 40, $42 million a year. That's pathetic. Well, now... Get be lucky if you're going to be paying 50 million dollars a year. So, yeah, I mean, this like going back right where Jordan Love and the wide receivers have found their groove. Um, if you look at the adjusted completion percentage on throws that are uh longer or uh, farther than 20 plus yards, right? Farther than 20 yards in terms of its step, which you know, where you factor in drops and throwaways. Weeks one through eight, he was the 33rd best quarterback in the NFL in that completion percentage, just 24.4. Weeks nine through 13, the past five weeks, tied for fifth in the NFL at 
My God. This is via Brett Coleman. So, I mean, this, like, it, it, it is significant proof that they have figured it out. And the, in terms of the most catchable passes that resulted in being incomplete in 2023, because of what was happening earlier, Jordan Love's throw uh, throw count was high at 44, which is third in the in the in the league, right? So, but it was still catchable passes that was still being incomplete because he was not on the same level as the wide receivers and as Matt Lafleur. But now, everybody is on the same page, at least on the offense. On the defensive side, that's been. I mean, it is the <laughs> definition of bend, but don't break. I, I just like how you were mentioning it's, but that <laughs> exactly, it's nah, right? It's like a good, but can be better, right? We have the you know one of the uh, eighth fewest points in terms uh, per game allowed, right? We're just allowing about twenty points per game, which is really helping this offense, but we're also allowing the third highest rushing yards per game. So, literally the definition of bend, but don't break. The problem with that is you may win games against, you know, weaker offenses who, you know, who have lower red zone touchdown efficiency. But, like, let's say we make the playoffs, which we have a high degree of making, especially with the next five games that we have coming up. Let's say we make the playoffs and then we face a team like the Cowboys or, you know, like the 49ers who make it their mission in life to end the opposing defenses in the red zone, right? That's when we're going to get screwed with this bend but don't break mentality. But unfortunately, our defense is playing just good enough to win us games where we become a playoff contender. And you know, for this year, what did I say in the beginning of the season, Duck Chuck, with regarding the Packers? I oh. don't know what the expectations are. My yeah. expectation is we go game to game, we see what we have in Jordan Love, and then we figure it out for the next year and beyond, right? This year was supposed to be the evaluation year. We were supposed to decide, is Jordan Love our future quarterback? Well, mm -hmm. now he is. Did Brian Gutekunst make a good a good decision in terms of his drafting. Well, if you look up this uh, draft class, let yep. me show you uh, how much production we've had in terms of our draft classes. Okay, so for the Packers 2023 draft class, first round pick, Lucas Van Ness. He's had two sacks, 11 pressures, which may not be like it's it's enough, but it's still, you know, uh, you know some significant production for... Uh, being a raw athletic freak who is extremely talented, but you know can still improve a lot. And mind you, this is pretty much what um, pretty much what Rashawn Gary had in his first year, and now he's like a twenty million dollar pass rusher per year. So Luke Van Lucas Van Ness, he's on that track. Luke Musgrave, breakout rookie tight end for us: thirty three receptions, three hundred forty one yards, one touchdown. Jaden Reed. 40 receptions, 513 yards, five touchdowns receiving, seven carries, 81 yards, and one touchdown rushing. And then Tucker Craft, 10 receptions, 95 yards, one touchdown. But his biggest change, his biggest factor is in the pass blocking and run blocking. The amount of times that he's chipped that wide nine edge rusher, the amount of times that he's held his blocks on the outside 
uh, against a safety or against a uh, a weak side linebacker, a strong side linebacker, um, and 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 allowed a, a lane to be opened for the running backs is just exactly what we needed in Mercedes Lewis's uh, replacement, which is Tucker Craft. And Luke Musgrave is the replacement for Big Bob Tunyon, right? He can block, but he's more of that, you know, uh, slot tight end role, kind of like Travis Kelsey, right? Whereas Tucker Craft is more like a blocking tight end who is extremely athletic and can receive as well. So like kind of like George Kittle. Right, so when you have the potential of Travis Kelsey and George Kittle in your tight end room, and don't forget Ben Sims, undrafted rookie free agent, uh, tight end who's just you know uh, just caught a touchdown and made NFL history with the first uh, time a team has had three rookie tight ends catching one touchdown in an entire season. What else do you want from this draft class, right? That's just from the offensive side. Then you have Colby Wooden, right, who who has had six tackles and nine pressures in in relief play for players like TJ Slayton and uh, Devontae, Deontay Wyatt. Not exactly the one that we want, but still decent, right? Sean Clifford, who's a reliable backup QB, right? And then you've had De- Don Tavion Wicks, who looks more and more like uh, Devontae Adams, 23 receptions, but 374 yards on just 23 receptions and one touchdown. His snap count has been limited to just like 25% snap count on every single game, and yet he's produced so much already. Like, he is so significant for us, and he was like a fifth-round pick. Carl Brooks, a sixth-round pick from Bowling Green. Three sacks, one forced fumble, 19 pressures on the entire year. Sixth round pick. Anders Carlson, our uh, rookie kicker, 74 total points, 81% field goal uh, made percentage, and a 52 long. Carrington Valentine, 70.4 passer rating allowed on 39 targets. And Carrington Valentine is a seventh round rookie, dude. A seventh round rookie, and he has one of the hot, one of the lowest passer ratings allowed on uh, uh, while being targeted. So, and we still have Anthony Johnson Jr., who's been a pretty good special teams player for us. Um, and you know, so at least you know Luke Van Ness, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft, Dontavian Wicks. That's five. Carl Brooks and Carrington Valentine. That's seven out of the ten. And Andrew. Anders Carlson. That's eight out of the 11 picks that have been success stories for this year. What more can you want? I I mean, I got no idea, man. I don't think you can ask him for anything more, man. Exactly. I mean, like, this is, and, and we have an undrafted wide receiver in Malik Heath who's also getting involved, right? So this class is just, on another level, man. And I'm just so excited. Like, this is exactly what I wanted as a Packers fan. Just seeing quality improvement from our receivers, from our tight ends, from Jordan Love, from our D-line, from now our secondary, from our coaching staff, who's also improved in terms of play calling and execution and, and teaching these guys. Right, It's just been expensive extreme like improvement um from from what we were 
you know, a month and a half ago. And I'm just ex so excited to see what is in store for this Packers team in the next couple of years. And going back to this game now, right? Aside from, from my projections, going back to this game, it started out with another successful first drive. For the past two games in a row, both of our first drives of the game were touchdown drives, which means we put up instant pressure on the other team to respond. And this is what good teams do. When you get the ball in the first in your first try, you go down, you score points, right? Because it's the easiest way to put the other team in pressure. And out of the three of the five past games that we've had where we've gone four and one, We've had successful first drives against Kansas City, Detroit, and then Pittsburgh, right? All three teams which have pretty good defenses, right? Detroit, maybe not, but Pittsburgh and Kansas City definitely have really good defenses. And this time with Kansas City, we chewed the clock so much in the first half, we only allowed two drives in the first quarter, one by us, one by Kansas City, and four in the entire first half. It went by like that. Right. It went by like a snap. Like it's just it was so nice to see a Packers team so dominant on a top five defense, especially a top five passing defense. Now, the run defense is the one that we attacked with with, you know, Dean of Quad Squad University, A.J. Dillon who's just out there murdering people. He caused four injuries with his quads. I know. Four. When I saw that, I'm like, uh, I had to call you multiple times. I was like, bro, what, the, what is AJ Dillon doing, man? He's out there assassinating people, dude. Just with his massive quads. Insane. Just assassinating players. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. 14 to 6 score at the half. You know, uh, this is because of A.J. Dillon, because of Jordan Love, because of all of these players really playing their butt off, right? And I got to give props to our D-line, man, because in the red zone, three stops. Uh, all three were, uh, well, two stops in the first half. Both of them were sacks by LVN or Lucas Van Ness, who chased down Mahomes who was scrambling to the right outside the pocket looking downfield. And then for the second one, it was a combo with Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark. So, again, this is this is why they were able to just score field goals because of these red zone sacks, right? And this is something that Mahomes almost never does. I mean, whenever you watch Mahomes, he always finds a way to slip out of these tackles and make some sort of athletic play uh, to get the ball downfield and score touchdowns. But this time, he wasn't able to escape the grasp of LVN, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith was out there still generating pressures at the age of 28 or 29. Right, He's up there in age. He's probably going to have one or two years left. Right, So this is just excellent, excellent performance from the D-line. And this is exactly what we wanted to do. Force Mahomes to, you know, hold on to the ball um, and just, you know, eat him up. Right? This is exactly what we wanted to do. And then now, when you look at... Um, so that's what happened at the first half, right? Now the third quarter comes around and we traded touchdown drives, right? 
but when it mattered, uh, the Packers defense stepped up. The last tr- three drives for Kansas City in the fourth quarter, three and out, interception, failed Hail Mary turnover on downs. All right, so <clears throat> now we've got to talk about this last drive for Casey. Oh, Do you remember okay. this one? Oh my God! Yeah, that 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 game. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, to say that the officiating was bad was probably probably the understatement of the entire year. Because by God, I mean, <laughs> it's like the officials were like, "All right, we're gonna let him play until until the game matters," because then. That's when we need to shine and get our MVP awards, right? The referees, you know, matter so much to the league, right? They have to get their MVP awards too, right? The best ref of the year for, for throwing the most uh, nuisance th- uh, flags, right? And, and you know, anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back to reality here. And the re- reality is, yeah, the officiating was bad, right? Uh, but... What was worse than the officiating was just what was being discussed, discussed, uh, discussed ad nauseum on the SNF post game show instead of how Green Bay Packers dominated KC and their darling Mahomes. Right, this was the only thing that they were just talking about. It was just oh, the you know the final drive was so bad. Oh my god, it was so bad. The officiating was so bad. Well, guess what? Even if the officiating was bad. You still had to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie and then hope you get the ball back in the uh, overtime, in overtime. So that would have been, you know, that would have been very difficult to do, right? So it's not like it was just like, oh, they had a game-tying touchdown that was wiped away from them. No, because this officiating was bad on both sides of the ball. And it started with a call that benefited hugely the Chiefs, right? It was a bogus late hit call on Jonathan Owens on Patrick Mahomes who hit Patrick Mahomes while he was running uh, with the ball for the first down. And Jonathan Owens clearly hit Mahomes in bounds and Mahomes was not in a protected state. It's not like he was sliding. It's not like, you know, he was a defenseless receiver or anything. He was a runner of the football with positive momentum, showing that he had the intention of moving the football down the field and not the intention of giving up, right? Like this was a pure, and it wasn't like he led, uh, Jonathan Owens led with the cor- crown of his helmet. He led with his shoulder. Which is exactly what you do. And Mahomes was a foot. Both of his feet were in the green. And Jonathan Owens hit him. And they called it a late hit. Which was a 15-yard penalty. 15 yards. You don't think that helped? That sure helped. Then, right? Then came the makeup call. Which was a... Where Mahomes (laughs) tries for a deep shot. 50 seconds left. To MVS, but you have Carrington Valentine who draped MVS and uh, give it up to shout out to Carrington Valentine. He was like, I don't know what flag you're talking about. I just made a great play. 
<laughs> he was he was just like he wasn't calling the bullshit out for that one. He was like, no, what are you talking about? And he was just so he was just so casual about it. I was like, yes, you go, you go, you dominated, you you played your butt off, but you know, don't take that win away from you. Right? Don't let them take that win away from you. And this was a makeup call for that wrong late hit. Right. So this was supposed to be DPI. It was obviously a DPI that was not called because Carrington Valentine was literally draped on MVS like a curtain, like a cape, like Superman's cape. That's what Carrington Valentine was to MVS, and they didn't call it, which obviously they should have called. And that would have put them at like the four or five yard line. Right. Maybe they would have gotten a touchdown, but then you would have given you like, you know, you, you would have given, uh, you know, Jordan Love like 20 seconds to play with. And who knows? He might have he might have even gone down the field and gotten us into field goal range and we would have kicked the game winning field. Goal. Like that could have happened, too. But yeah. Makeup call. But then but then a couple of plays later, actually, the next play, MVS takes the catch, goes out of bounds backwards okay and it's not like he was pushed out of bounds backwards he had momentum that he himself had where he forced himself to go backward and the clock stopped which is against the rule the situation is uh so the rule is there's only one situation where the runner will step out of bounds and the game clock will continue to run in the last two minutes of the first half or the last five minutes of the second half. The clock will continue to run if the runner goes out of bounds backward after being contacted by a defender. So why did the clock stop? That saved them like at least 15, 20 seconds in a 40-second left quarter where they had to score a touchdown, and they were at, like, the 40-yard line of the Packers. So that clearly helped them. Then, finally, a couple plays later on 4th and, like, 10, Mahomes tries the Hail Mary, and it fails, but it seems like Kelsey was kind of shoved from behind. Regardless, it doesn't matter. The Packers win, but that's exactly what the SNF fraudsters continued to debate which was the Hail Mary non-call, uh, you know, DPI. But it's never called. Have you ever seen a flag on a Hail Mary unless it was like offsides or offensive holding or like a, uh, or like a defensive, like defensive, like uh, uh, something in the backfield, right? It's never in the actual end zone because it's, there's never been a precedent for that. And there never will be. Nobody's going to set the precedent on uh, calling flags in the end zone during a Hail Mary because everything is good to go there. It's just like, uh, come on, man. You take the legitimate first. Fox takes the turkey leg away from, you know, from Jordan Love, which is still a conspiracy. You know, <laughs> Jordan Love is still going to take revenge on those Fox idiots, right? Greg Olson. All those guys who didn't give him his well-respected turkey leg against the Detroit Lions. And then now you have Sunday Night Football, you know, continuously taking this victory away from the Packers because all they talk about is how they're Mahomes darling. 
was, you know, negatively affected by, you know, the lack of the play calls. But it doesn't matter because we led all 60 minutes. We led all 60 minutes of this football game, and it was a dominant performance, and I can't wait for the playoffs, dude. I can't wait for it. Man. I want to march into Dallas and continue the tradition of Packers quarterbacks eviscerating Cowboys playoff hopes. Oh, God. If that happens, I think this calls for a national celebration. And this calls for Abhishek to be on the podcast. Oh, Abhishek, we calling you out. But yeah, that's it from the Packers and the Chiefs. <sighs> you know what time it is, Anand. We got to talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you have the floor. Uh, no, no, no. I need you to be there with me because we're friend good friends support each other. So Yes, yes I will. You know what? I'm going to say it. The Eagles got it, got their asses kicked. Me as an Eagles fan, I ex uh, entering into this gauntlet of a stretch, this gauntlet stretch. We had Dallas at home, the bye, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, at Dallas, at Seattle. And correction, at Kansas City, by the way. But... I I mean, we got our asses kicked. The final score, Niners 42, Eagles to 19. I mean, we got their asses kicked. Hey, it was You coming. scored more points on the offense than the Cowboys did. We were literally stat-patting when I knew the game was going to be over. But It doesn't matter, man. The final clock says you guys got 19 points. You guys got 19 points. All right. Okay. If that's the case, then fine. Let's be it. But you know what? Credit to San Francisco. They had a game plan, and they and they stuck to it. I'm gonna give them credit. And I and unlike some fans that I know of, we uh, like if we if we play. And pardon my French. I think I might go on a Rukshuk rant. So be ready, folks. Go ahead. If you're playing like dog shit, you deserve to get your asses kicked. That is a fundamental fact in life, right? Exactly. That is a fundamental fact. And I mean, the Niners came up with, they were talking, trashing, like Debo Samuel was talking with Kay Adams, like, oh, we're going to kick them. We're going to beat them and calling James Bradbury trash. They were coming in in those black Air Force, black um, jerseys or and with black Air Forces. And you know what? They dressed in all black, thinking it was going to be a funeral. And you know what? They did it. They did what they needed to do. The Eagles got bullied. They, the Niners were mostly physical, and you thought it was going to be another comeback in the third quarter? Hell no. The way I saw the defense play, it was, it was blasphemous to watch. I mean... I, 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 like, how do I break this up? Let me do Eagles offense first. Okay. Hear me out. The first two drives in the red zone were beautiful. Like I saw the Eagles run the ball with a little bit more and they were, and they were driving and driving, but then what the hell? Why are we kicking field goals? 
Why, Anand? Why the hell are we kicking field goals in the That's first That's how the Chiefs lost. Drives? If you're facing a team like the Niners, you have to score touchdowns. And uh, I mean, we had times in which Jalen Hurts was holding on to the ball for so goddamn long. I mean, throw it away. You're only given three seconds. Throw the freaking ball away. And and I gotta talk to you about this play. Yeah, I think I don't know if you were watching this this game, right? It was a third. It was a second and six. Jalen Hurts is in the pocket. He it's a, it's hike. It's in shotgun formation. He hikes the ball after a first and ten. Pass to AJ Brown for four yards in the red zone. He is taking his goddamn long time. Are you watching? He's like trying to point, point, point. I'm like, mm -hmm. bro, just mm -hmm. throw it away. Make it throw a third away, man. Yeah, but it I said mean, he slips, and then it sacks. I'm like, I don't care. It killed us, and we're in field goal range. I mean, I'm happy for Jake Elliott kicking. And 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 you want to know the crazy thing? And I mean, like the first two drives, but then my God, they couldn't do it, and they weren't uh, they were unable to run the ball. And of course, and, and you know, it was so bad. You want to you want to know the total rushing yards? For this entire for this entire Eagles offense, forty six yards of rushing, and one touchdown via tush push. It was so bad, but and it was so egregious. At um at the no at the Philly Novacare Complex, you know what some fans were doing, man? They mm. there were two Eagles fans out in the rain holding up a sign in the morning saying, "Run the damn ball." There was a sign outside the Novacare complex. I mean, the same thing that happened last year. I mean, but I mean, I get the arguments for running the ball, but if the night, but the thing is, this is Jalen Hurts. This is like the way the running game kind of works with this Eagles team is if Jalen Hurts is running. This time, Jalen Hurts is not at 100%. He's sliding down. He's not running aggressively as he has done in the past. And, I mean, as much as we want to give the offensive line some credit for, like, because they've done a damn good job, and most of it's been, like, cover sacks or, like, or Hurts um, taking too damn long in the pocket. But, uh, but Mike, but the crazy thing, it goes back to Brian Johnson, why the hell and also the players like if if deandre swift is if deandre swift is going for an outside run aj brown or olamide zakias you got to do your jobs and like help with pass with run protect with run blocking they aren't doing that shit. that's why they're getting blocked from there it's maddening man it is freaking maddening and i mean after that, after after those two field goals, it was like punt, punt, and then uh, I mean, uh, and of course we did get some momentum in the second in the second half. You know what I'm talking about, right? That after that, after they they get some runs, it's 21 to six. Um, DeAndre Swift is trying to run. Jalen Hurts throws it to AJ Brown, and then of course we talk. We got to talk about this play, man. Um. Second and five at San Francisco 37. Hertz throws a beautiful pass to Devontae Smith. 
who's at the 24-yard line, and then he gets, like, taken down by Jameer Brown and um, Dre Greenlaw, right? You know what I'm referring to? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the play with our security guy, Big Dom. <laughs> Big Dom. Who has now uh, been banned uh, from the sideline, apparently. They're, they're freaking cow. Yeah, uh, for this Cowboys game. But apparently, <laughs> it, was, it was a penalty on San Francisco, with blood to a, which led to um, a disqualification. <laughs> I've never seen that in my entire life. And, oh, my God. I mean... <laughs> Oh, all the crazy stuff that I've seen, this has happened. But then, I mean, three and out. And then, of course, like, and then we had an, uh, and then um, we had another crazy play with, um, I think Jalen Hurts takes a huge hit from either, from, I think it was like either Kinlaw or someone else. And he has to step out of the game. And we see Marcus Mariota coming in. When it's like already 35 to 10, 35 to 13, right? And I'm like, okay, keep Mariota in. We already know that the game is over, but why the hell is Hurts coming back? That was very dangerous. You cannot do that. That is a complete risk. And I mean, as much as I want to talk, and I, I, don't, I really don't want to get more into the stats because it was, it was horrible. The only, and I mean, as much criticism, Jalen Hurts, 26 for 45, 298 yards, um, passing one touchdown. But And, of course, A.J. Brown had himself a day. Eight, eight receptions, 114 yards. Um, Devontae Smith, nine receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. Um, but Kenny Gainwell, Quez Watkins, why the hell are you throwing to Quez freaking Watkins? He does not deserve anything for the work that he's been done. And our Titans were, uh, they were not, they were not existing. What the freak is a tight end? Like Albert Okwegbunam, Jack Stoll, they didn't do anything there. I mean, and they're trying to give it to feed it to DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. Why the hell did the Eagles not activate Rashad Penny for this game? It blows my mind. We we picked him up from Seattle, and of course, he does have injury concerns, but he's been in healthy scratch for the past couple of weeks, and it's driving me insane. You know he's a good physical back, and going up against a Niners defense like this, Rashad Penny would be your best bet. But come on. And I'm not done yet, Anant. We got to talk about the defense of the Eagles, man. We have to talk about the defense. <sighs> Try and take a deep breath. You got it. You got to take a minute. Take a minute. You need. You need your breath for the Eagles' defense here. Jesus uh, Christ! And I'm not even Christian, man. <laughs> I mean, hey, Bhagwan. Arda Pavi. Hey, Bhagwan. Uh, <laughs> oh man. I mean. Eagles defense. Yeah, the first two the first quarter we held the Niners offense to negative nine yards, and we had a second with Hassan Reddick. I'm like, oh boy, this could be good, right? But then right after that, all hell broke loose. Six straight scoring drives. 
Eagles didn't make any adjustments at all. Sean Desai was completely outcoached by Kyle Shanahan. And I and, and you were messaging me, why the hell are the Eagles playing zone? Right? Where you saw mo mostly cover two, right? I mean, the thing is, if you play man, you're gonna get burnt. If you play zone, your linebackers are going to get burnt. So the only way to combat this Niners offense is you need excellent man coverage corners and you need uh, ex uh, ex uh, exceptionally speedy, fast, twitchy linebackers and a ferocious D-line. And unfortunately, we Eagles are lacking in two of those three departments. Yeah, the cornerbacks and the um and the line the the, exactly. the secondary and the linebackers. And I mean uh, and you know what the Niners said what they had to do after after going negative 9 yards in the first quarter alone what they did uh, and I thought this was like the backbreaker for them. So, and I'm going to refer to one of the touchdown plays by the Niners. So the third this is the third play First and 10, no gain. Second and 10, false start. Second and 15, I I think these were two big plays. Second and 15, Brock Purdy throw, throws a short pass to Brendan Ayuk, who's pushed out of bounds by Darius Slade. Why the hell did you miss that assignment? It was bad. Darius Slade was playing like five yards off. And man, missed tackles, man. And I missed, mean, oh my God, it this game was full of missed tackles by this Eagles defense. Absolute, pardon my French, I am going to prepare for a marker on a, this is going to be number one. Absolutely fucking disgraceful. That's number one, by the way, Anand. Mm -hmm. Number one mm -hmm. of, the, of the F, of, of the F, of the F mark. Like, how the hell do you not get that right? You, you, why are you playing far away? Play presser man if you need to bump them off. It pisses me off when you do that shit. And I, I mean, and and and, and another backbreaking play by Big Play Seriously. <sighs> God damn it! Third and seven. Out of the San Francisco 36, with five minutes and 27 seconds left in the third quarter. After the Eagles pull up 21 to 13, Brandon Ayuk makes a play on the third and seven. Darius Lay's playing off. He Ayuk, no, Ayuk came back to the came. I mean, Brock Purdy threw threw a short pass, but apparently Ayuk came back to the ball. Darius Lay missed that assignment. And and then of course Slade tried to swat at Debo Samuel on a 48-yard touchdown reception through the middle of the field when he could have tackled him instead. And oh my god, linebackers. On a, what the fuck is a linebacker on this Eagles team? They cannot. And this is what the Niners did. They made the adjustments. And you want to know the final stats for the Niners on overall offense. 465 total yards of offense. 24 first downs, 8 for 11 on third down conversions. It was bad. Christian McCaffrey had himself a... It was not just... 
Brock Purdy, 9 for 19 for 27, 314 yards, four receptions. Those were short ass plays thrown by short ass drives thrown by Brock Purdy, but the yak killed us, man. The yak ability, yards after catch. I stressed this last week, last episode, and they didn't do that. I get that the defense is exhausted after playing 92 snaps against the Buffalo Bills last week, but come on. Make it competitive, damn it. Like, seriously, what the fuck is tackling this time? That's that's F mark number two. Debo, he was, I, he killed us, man. Four receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns. And of course, he was waving it. He backed up his trash talking. And I mean, Jawan, Jen, Jawan Jennings, when he was throwing out that thing, he just sent Eli Ricks to a second dimension through a third dimension. It's like, why are you putting an undraft, a UDFA rookie? On um on a on a big tight end, man. George Kittle had himself a day too. Four receptions for 68 yards. I mean, that yak ability is so damn good, but God, the the, the they're literally weapons. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel killed us, man. Debo Samuel had himself another had himself a running touchdown, man. I mean this was bad. This was a bad thing. But hey, you know what? The Eagles then turned over the ball. Yippee-ki-yay. No, it was bad overall. Bad on offense. Bad on defense. The only good thing that we had was special teams with, with um, Brandon Mann kicking the ball deep. Honestly, it was that bad. And then, yeah, Hassan Reddick got himself a sack and had half a sack. Fletcher Cox had 1.5 sacks. Yeah, I could care less. We didn't do our we didn't complete our assignments. I saw Josh Sweat lining up on offsides on the in the first half and Nicholas Morrow. Oh my god. He could not he bounced off of Debo Samuel on that 48-yard touch um, third quarter touchdown. And you had him lined up and oh my god. I I, I mean we gotta take we gotta talk about this man. Do you think that the Eagles stink? Uh, I mean, I saw this article on Bleeding Green Nation after this loss. The Eagles, there's a lie and a truth. The lie is that the Eagles are overrated and stink. And stink. What do you think? Is that a truth or a lie? I think that's that's a lie. I mean, I don't think the Eagles stink. I just don't think that they're as good as the Niners. They're better than the Cowboys, and we'll see. Um, you know, just um, just this upcoming week just how much better they are than the cowboys but i think in the nfc it's niners one eagles two cowboys three and yeah i would not be surprised with that at all yeah and 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 here's the thing like going into this game even though it was near like zach cunningham is apparently our best linebacker and nicobe dean being on ir if you're going to have nicholas martin christian ellis the packers are going to I mean, if I were to put this Eagles defense right now with Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis, and I'm going up against a Packers offense, dude, I'm afraid Jordan Love's going to kill, kill us, attack the middle of the field. We were freaking exposed that, that game, man. It was so bad. And, and apparently, these were the only three linebackers the Eagles had available today, that game. They cut and brought back. And by the way, after this game, Christian Ellis got cut. 
And the Eagles, and, and because later on after this game, on Monday, the following day on Monday, the Eagles signed um, Shaq Leonard to, to the team. So I'm happy about that. He can at least provide some coverage. But we, when we cut Christian Ellis, if we try to bring him back on waiver after clearing waivers, the Patriots picked him up because he's really a good special teams player. I'm like, okay, then why the hell aren't we using Ben Van Sumer in this thing? Man, give us some help. I want this. It was bad. And I know like the Eagles have been playing like really, really bad football on that five game winning stretch, right? They've been, they've been behind at halftime and they found ways to come back. But that is not a sustainable recipe for success. Am I correct on this one? That does not sustain for the long run. There will be a time in which teams will find a way to say, like, okay, this is what you're gonna do. We're not gonna let you. We're not gonna. We're not gonna let you score uh, right after that. No, we're no. We're not gonna stop scoring. We're uh, no, no, no. Correction on this one. Correct. Teams mm -hmm. like so far the teams that we've played the five and on that five game winning streak. They're saying that uh, the Eagles like, okay, we're, we're behind by 10. Fine. We apparently find ways to win those games. But that type of play is not sustainable at a high level. When you're playing teams like the Niners, when you're playing teams like the Ravens, and hell, when you're playing teams like the freaking Dallas Cowboys, that does not last long. That makes you lose Super Bowls, by the way. Because... Because of, I mean, the Niners are like, okay, you want, you, okay, I know what, I know what it is. We're going to just keep on, we're just going to keep on scoring. That's how we're going to do it. I mean, of course, like, I mean, if I think about last time the Eagles had a bad loss, um, it was, I could recall that Super Bowl run in 2017. Eagles basically got their asses kicked by the, um, by the Seattle Seahawks, 24 to 10, I think, but it was really bad that game. And we went out to win the game, and, and then of course Carson Wentz hurts, tears his ACL. The next game, and we make this run to win the Super Bowl. But I think like the Eagles are still the best team. But I mean, like the defense is already tired. But I mean, um, Seth Joyner was um, you you know about Seth Joyner, right? He is an Eagles legend linebacker, and he won a ring with the. Um, he, he he won a ring with the Green Bay Packers, by the way. Did you know that? Not sure. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. I think no, that might have been with Brett. Favre. He put Darius Slay on blast, and I mean Seth. You know what? Seth Joyner is right, and and he said like our cornerbacks are disinterested at tackling someone as a young kid coming out to play football for the first time, and then. He said that the Eagles corner is like, nope, uh, want no parts whatsoever. They want to push a guy out of bounds or they want to trip him, but they will not come and put their body on the line and tackle him. The only guy in that secondary who will hit you is Reed Blankenship. I mean, damn, that is true. And Darius Slay started to back up and he's saying like, and Darius Slay is like talking it's like answering back. He's saying, first of all, it's first of all, a slay. And my problem with buddy with the with joint buddies is, is that we were scared to tackle. Now I do agree that we ain't tackle well as a team, but that but that scared shit out of door. Darius Slay. Why? Why are you answering back? 
You have nothing to say after this game. And, and Seth Joyner also put Howie Roseman on blast because there's one thing that the Eagles don't do, apparently. They don't value the linebacker position. It was bad. Missed tackle, miss tackles, coverage liabilities, and a blitzer's liability. I mean, hell, if you're going to be playing five-man front to stop the run, because apparently the linebackers are clueless on run fits. This is part of the reason that Seth Joyner is saying this. And I don't blame him. And then we're getting crazy takes from the media. And I'm talking about a certain David Carr. Anand, I have nominated him to be my dumbass of the day. You want to <laughs> know what the fuck David Carr said? Go said ahead. Because of health, Marcus Mariota should be the starting quarterback over Jalen Hurts. Because apparently Jalen Hurts cannot read the defense. I yeah, want to get no, your that's take That's just this. stupid. That's I'm sorry. You honestly think you can actually win more games with Marcus Mariota than Jalen Hurts with a bum knee? Like, come on now. It, it He is a dumbass. And I'm talking about David Carr, who I believe was the worst QB of his all time. You don't get... You literally... Okay, I... Uh, be be ready for this, man. Derek, uh, I mean, D Derek Carr, your father is an asshole and he sucks. You suck as well. I I guess it I I guess it runs in the family, does it? I mean, this was a guy, uh, and I'm saying this according to his NFL stats. This David Carr, who is 65 for 71 touchdown to interception ratio, a 74.9 passer rating, and he was and he was and in his first season when he when the Houston Texans franchise was born and he was drafted he was sacked 76 times so if you want to talk about this kind of type of shit that I'm hearing from you please shut the fuck up shut the fuck up David Carr and he's saying right now, four days ago, if Philly wants to win the Super Bowl, which I believe that's their goal, Jalen has to be 100% to utilize his legs and design QB runs and dictate coverages that will allow for one-on-ones for his dynamic receivers. I get it. That's, I mean, that part is true. If he's not 100% and Philly won't even call those plays, they're not going to have that tactical advantage. I guess that's true. And he's recommending that Hurts sits in order for that. Buddy, we're trying to get to the fucking number one seed, you dumbass. Like, this is the most moronic thing I've heard. And hell, a former teammate of his, Vontae Leash, blasted David Carr for his opinion. And I don't blame him for that shit. He's a dumbass. Well, I'm definitely going to have to put the explicit on this episode now. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about that because david carr is a is a stupid son of a bitch as far as i'm concerned man fuck that guy i'm sorry what he said it it you wanted to fight you wanted to bring a war with philly fans congratulations you've earned it you're now the most i mean the last thing we want to do is listen to all those national pundits and we're probably going to have like people saying like, oh, we're going to doubt us and doubt us and doubt us. So, well, you know what? Well, you know what, motherfuckers? You got that right. This is where we will. This is 
right now that opportunity where we can show us who the F we are, man. God, this game, and yeah, I'm going to say this finally. The Niners backed up that trash shock. They attacked us very well. Offense to defense, that is all. Congratulations, credit to them. They performed well. They did it. They have the right to back up anything else. And, and the Eagles have no one but to blame them for themselves. They have to get some stuff right in the future and now. Because right now, they got to make those changes. Otherwise, it's too late. You can kiss that Super Bowl dream goodbye. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <sighs> I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I will ask you a question that will trigger you even more. Go ahead. Who do you want, Jonathan Gannon or Sean Desai? Are you serious right now? Are you <laughs> serious right now? It's okay. We can cut it out if you don't want to. <laughs> I would rather go through this gauntlet with Sean Desai than have a broke ass. Hurdle thinking, not personality. Oh, you got that fire on your stomach, or if you drove a fucking bus to work, type of type of lame ass coach and Jonathan fucking Gannon. Hell no. Yeah, I don't want him <laughs> near me. I want him banned from Philadelphia. I don't want to. I mean, I'd rather put like. Freaking shield generators in Philadelphia to keep him away. He is the equivalent of this of the, of of smallpox, which needs to be eradicated. Okay, all right then. <laughs> Let's move on now. Before we, it's uh, it's been probably what an hour and a half, maybe. <laughs> We're just through the uh the our game recap we haven't even gotten to the preview yet and screw jonathan Gannon. uh well that was that. that was uh that was an exciting one exciting. you're welcome <laughs> well you know what i kind of feel better now because i had to let go of a lot of things mm -hmm. let go of the rage yeah. Alrighty. Yep. Alrighty, let's move on to the Masala Games of the Week recap. Please, please move yeah. on. Please. <laughs> let's, try and, let's try and race through these ones. Uh, Broncos-Texans is the, the game that I picked, and the Texans, as I called, pulled off the upset. They won 22-17. And it's not because C.J. Stroud took over this game by throwing 292 yards against the top 15 passing defense. It's not even that they ran for 90 yards total. And it's not even that the Texans controlled the ball for 33 minutes. It was all Texans defense. Three interceptions, three sacks, 16 pressures on roughly 35 dropbacks, five passes deflected, and Derek Stingley with a 0% completion rating when targeted. He literally did not allow a single catch. Derek Stingley. And he had that amazing interception uh, in the game. That was going to be my Masala moment of the week with, uh, before another one took it by, you know, miles. 
But, I mean, Russell Wilson, what do we say about him? I mean, he was better with the dinking and dunking and the game managing because he's, I don't know, he's just lost his athleticism. But I feel like last year he was broken so much. The last couple of years he was broken so much. It's it's going to take a while before he's fixed with Sean Payton. But like this time, he's just decided, whoa, I'm going to chuck them over them mountains. Right? He just decided, I'm going to be the end-all, be-all of this offense, and I'm going to throw the football like nobody's ever seen it before. Basically, he goes, let Russ cook moment. Right? Exactly. Except he should not, because he is one of the most disastrous chefs we have ever seen. He's the chef who's going to put mayonnaise on your Maggie, right? He's going oh, to be the one that's going bro, to, you know. Why are you trying to ruin my appetite, man? Why are you saying this right now? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry if it's dinner bro. time. But no, no, it's fine. He's, it's fine. I, I, it was so like bad. James Winston. He turnovers. <laughs> but it's not even tasty. It's like at least Jameis Winston throws four touchdowns in uh, along with his interceptions that make it tasty, right? This yeah, is like dung turnovers. This is like cow poop turnovers. <laughs> like this is unappetizing, and he's turning the ball over, right? He he is not a CJ Stroud. He is not. He has to become more of the game manager, which is what you know Aaron Rodgers became more of, which is what. Tom Brady became more of until, you know, he had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and that awesome offensive line and then all of those weapons and him directing his own offense to win a Super Bowl. But for Russell Wilson, he's obviously not Tom Brady. He needs to be more of a game manager. And the Broncos kind of seemed ill-prepared um, at the start of this game, right? Because Sean Payton also apparently decided to uh, give plays where Russell Wilson was going to chuck it deep, and he did chuck it deep, which resulted largely in four straight drives that ended in punts. Two straight three and outs where Russell Wilson tried to ch uh, chuck it deep multiple times and a 13-3 to score at the end of the first half in favor of the Texans. And then Wilson thought, hey, I'm just going to throw it deep to win. And thus, he had three interceptions in the second half. So it's literally... His fault. They lost this game because Russell Wilson decided that he is more than what he is right now. I mean, this is the first year in your offense. Even Aaron Rodgers had some trouble. And he has won like four MVPs and a Super Bowl. Like he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And he himself had trouble in the first year with Matt LaFleur's offense. So obviously you're going to have trouble with Sean Payton's offense. You're uh, with a new offense that's going to be installed, especially behind that okay offensive line and you know the lack of i mean Cortland sutton is definitely a wide receiver one but it's not like he's the best wide receiver in the league he is a really good wide receiver he's a top 15 top 20 wide receiver in the league right but then besides that you don't really have that much like you do have uh javante williams who's a really excellent running back but they didn't use him enough now, unlike Russell Wilson, C.J. Stroud actually can throw it deep and make that offense functionable, right? They can also create separation that is required to throw deep. And in terms of separation, you look at someone like Nico Collins, who in replacement for, uh, for, the, for Tank Dell, who 
you know, unfortunately was on a tear. He was going to have like a thousand yards guaranteed, maybe even 1200 yards on the entire season. He had, he suffered a season ending injury, but Nico Collins is right there. Nine catches on 12 targets, 191 receiving yards and a touchdown. And he had nearly a perfect passer rating, 155.8 passer rating on the entire season when targeted, when he is covered in man-to-man coverage all season. He is the best wide receiver in that scenario. Highest passer rating for CJ Stroud uh, when, when targeting Nico Collins on man coverage in the entire year. So Nico Collins has that ability to create, uh, generate that uh, separation, not only uh, in the shorter intermediate throws, but also in the deep throws, which is why he's able to put up stats like 9 for 12 for 191. Right, but even even with the separation of space, it's not like they're one of the best teams, like the Niners, right? Who who have uh, you know uh, the amount of yards of separation for the wide receivers uh, because that scheme is so excellent, right? Like this this Texan scheme, while running Kyle Shanahan scheme from uh, from San Francisco, is still kind of middle in the pack in in terms of the percentage of plays that are uh you know not perfectly covered right if you look at um you know so there's a graph a, a statistic where it's measuring QBs on perfectly covered plays right where um it's the amount of perfectly uh covered plays uh, the percentage of those versus the EPA on those types of plays for these quarterbacks. Surprise, surprise. Brock Purdy is dead, uh, you know, last in terms of the percentage of plays perfectly uh, covered. And nobody is even within a 5% of him, right? He only has less than 25% of plays that are perfectly covered. So three quarters of a time, Brock Purdy has players that are wide open. And shocking uh, not un unshockingly he has some of the highest epa like he is a top 10 qb in terms of epa on the perfectly covered place so like he himself is doing well but if you look at the texans you know uh if you look at the uh the percentage of perfectly covered plays they're more around uh 30 like 4 35% which is middle of the pack right it's it's not like uh, they have some of the widest open receivers. They don't have that many wide open plays. Like it's literally 14th, 15th in the league. So it's not like it's an all-star offense, but it's just the the you know the amount of ex the 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 execution that CJ Stroud has with his receivers is just fantastic, and that's why the Texans won. I mean, they thoroughly outcoached the Broncos. And there's not much to, to say to this. I mean, it's like it, it's both the Texans offense that destroyed this uh, Denver uh, Denver's passing defense. And um, it's not like uh, it's not like, you know, the Broncos really uh, made it uh, very challenging. Uh, like the Texans defense just just ate Russell Wilson up. So overall, a brilliant Texans win. And now. They're like a game and a half away from the uh, from the AFC South divisional title, and boy, if the Texans win the division and make the playoffs with a winning record, 
being, you know, with with having the second overall pick last year, D'Amico Ryans is definitely going to win Coach of the Year. Oh, yeah. And you know what? My beat the doll. I, I remember I said I had a beat the doll moment. Go ahead. The Jacks don't get their, their Jacks don't get, the Jacksonville Jaguars do not get their stuff, their act together. Houston's going to, Houston's going to win that division. And CJ Stroud is going to have his first win in the playoffs. Ooh. Okay. I see you. I see you. You're not the only one. Tom Grossi just came out with his uh, playoff predictions uh, video, and he also predicted that the Texans were going to win the defense, uh, win, win the AFC South. So easy. you're not alone in that, man. Yeah, 100%, man. And I think like the CJ Stroud kid, he's growing on me. He has his maturity, his ability for the love of the game, man. He is my yeah. MVP. He I is my MVP. I don't care what people say about Brock Purdy, about his stats, about the way that he, you know, explodes in the Niners offense. Brock Purdy has care. good weapons. Exactly. And have yak abilities. Hell, if I wanted to nominate a guy from San Francisco to win an, uh, an, an, uh, an MVP, CMC, Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. exactly. It should be either Tyreek Hill if he breaks the 2,000-yard threshold for receiving yards, or it should be C.J. Stroud. Right, it shouldn't be Dak Prescott. It should not be Brock Purdy, even yeah. though those two QBs are playing really well. I mean, they're playing at a top five QB level. Not saying that they're scrubs; they just don't deserve to be MVP. If CJ Stroud is able to help the Texans win the division and get a playoff uh, victory too, right? That's what more can you ask of a rookie team of the second youngest offense in the NFL, just behind the Packers. This is exactly what you would want for the Texans. And, you know, I'm I'm so happy for Texans fans, right? They they've been saddled with with you know just 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 disgusting stuff that just came out every single year from you know 2019 onwards with Deshaun Watson, with you know uh, Jack Easterby, with you know all of that stuff, but Nick Casario. And D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud are the future of this franchise. And I'm excited to see what Houston brings in store for us in the following years. But yeah, that's it for me. What about your game? Man, one game I have to talk about is the Detroit Lions against the New Orleans Saints. Detroit, can you play a complete game without, without scaring half of your fans to death? No. <laughs> Well, they did survive a comeback attempt. They nearly blew a 24 to 7 lead at halftime. They nearly blew it. It was pretty comical, though. But they did survive the comeback attempt and they put to post its best record through 12 games since 1992. Congratulations on that win. Lions offense, it's so good. They're so damn good when they stick to the run game. I mean, you want to talk, I mean, the way that they were using the run, you had Jameer Gibbs, eight carries for 60 yards, David Montgomery, 18 carries, 56 yards on a touchdown, and hell, Jamison Williams on a on a jet sweep to, to set up a, to, I mean, um, to set up a, to get a touchdown as well. And I thought, and one thing I also noticed is that the, the and of course, Derek caught, I mean, Jared Goff did okay. He didn't have to do that much. 
He um, basically played the game manager role very well. 16 for 25, 213 yards, two touchdowns, only sacked one time. I thought that was pretty good. Um, but also, we got to talk about Sam Laporta, man. I mean, that what a hell of a game. He's going. He's emerging as that top threat in this new look offense. The line, this new look Lions offense this season. You, he has nine receptions. He had nine receptions, hundred and forty yards, and one touchdown. It was so effective, and he converted on multiple deep, uh, multiple like um third down, third down situations for them to kill off the game. I mean, it, it, he had he had he, that was his career high of nine catches, and 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 of course he had a crucial first down catch in in the late in the late minutes and uh, jameson williams he actually it was actually like a 19 yard a uh, reverse sweep for a touchdown and uh, i mean this was effective like the saints they tried they i didn't see them try and stop the run the lines are rushing for 142 yards in total um and they, they're only effective they're the only effective tackle is paul's the only effective player was like um, Paulson Adibo. I believe he's corner, but um, I but overall, the Saints' defense was. I mean, I, I thought Dennis Allen make some of the adjustments that he did, but the but that comeback was late because the Lions made enough plays and they forced a crucial turnover. Um, speaking of Saint, speaking of Lions' defense versus Saints' offense, the Saints. Um, here's I have a controversial take on this one. If the Saints are going to, um, if they're going to try and compete for the long-term future, they have to build. I believe they should build around the following players: Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, and yes, Taysom Hill, the Jack of All Trades, who can literally pass, cat, pass, run the, pass the ball, run the ball, and catch the ball. I mean. If, you, if for I mean for a starter, if you want to, if you don't want Taysom Hill, hell, build it around Chris Olave because he's literally the offense, and your and your only deep threat. Five receptions out of 119 yards. I mean, he was so damn good. Alvin Kamara had like over had about 100 yards of of 100 yards of scrimmage, 51 rushing yards and two touchdowns, and 58 yards of receiving. Um, I mean, this was just a great game plan. Uh, I mean, these these two players are amazing. Derek Carr, um, I thought he did. Oh, I um, there was. Oof, I don't know what to say about Derek Carr, man. Um, I it, it was bad, and I think, and I um, and there was one play in the fourth quarter, like he did commit a turnover. Um, he was sacked. He tried to run to the to New Orleans twenty four, but but apparently he fumbles the ball, which is recovered by um, forced uh, forced by Tracy Pass Tracy Walker and recovered by Josh Pascal, and then in the touchdown in the following touchdown, took it to um, it, it it took it to Jamison Williams for the touchdown, but unfortunately they did not get the two point conversion with Amon Ross St. Brown, and um, it was. It was very tough for 
for um, Derek Carr because in the late stages of the fourth quarter, um, uh, especially on third and 17, 10 minutes and 23 seconds to go in the fourth quarter at New Orleans 48, Derek Carr tries to throw a pass to Alvin Kamara for eight yards, and he's immediately um, stopped by Jeremy Reeves, by Reeves Maven and Barnes. However, he gets he lays a hit. He gets hit, hit by Bruce Irvin, uh, which was called for roughing the passer, and he's ruled out for the, via concussion. And and um, and with that, yeah, Taysom Hill going and Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston um, trying to take over, trying to help this offense generate some kind of yardage, but it was. It, it, it was it was a, it was a, it was um bad but of course Derek Carr in the first in his very first drive he um of the uh, in the game he tries to throw a short pass to John Johnson tipped by Brian Branch who didn't catch it and runs it and the and the Lions are able to convert it on a touchdown so it was i mean the Lions nearly blew that lead but until that uh, uh, in the in the second quarter, until they forced that turnover, Un until they or yeah, until no, until they um, correction on this one, the Lions nearly blew a twenty four seven lead by halftime, until the until the last seconds in the fourth quarter when they were able to force that turnover on downs and 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 with Jared Goff throwing to Josh Reynolds and um and and Sam Laporta converting on some big first uh, on getting some big first down plays especially on the third and seven in Detroit 42 when New Orleans had needed one timeout had one timeout left Jared Goff passed the short middle to Sam Laporta for 10 yards that that was it that was a backbreaker for this Lions defense and I and and looking at some of the stats um, it was it, 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 the Lions have a have the great have a good offense, but their defense they're not showing that much consistency. Um, Dave and and it, and if you wanted to talk about like sharing of all that, the the Lions secondary has to do a better job in closing out games in the second half, especially with passing. They they allowed hundred almost nearly two hundred fifty yards of passing. Um, although they did force an interception, but that was in the first court. That was like literally the first pl play of the Saints offense. And um, and when it comes to rushing the ball, in order to and now with Jameis Winston like being the helmet in your offense, and the Saints um, not having that much, and and with Derek Carr probably might be out for another game, um, unless um injury unless he passes concussion protocol. I think you would have to start more with running the ball effectively and help trust that offensive line. And if you're winning the battle through the trenches, it 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 helps your offense a little bit more instead of like just basically going with the plan on F it, Chris Olave's deep there somewhere. And um and I think that was it. All righty. So uh that's it from the Masala Games of the Week. And now we are going to move on to the Bunch Minute Recap. Starting let's with, let's go. go, man. 
starting with the AFC. Colts versus Titans. Colts win in an epic overtime thriller, 31-28. And this was the most insane game of the year. Oh, my. Ooh. Yeah. Two blocks. Game of the year, is it competing with Buffalo and Philly? Yes. Yes. Okay. I will. It's because of the sheer insanity with which these points were were achieved. Right? Two blocked punts, one for a touchdown, Ooh. a pick two. Huh? A pick two. We got a pick two, folks. A pick two, which I will describe a little bit later on. And a special teams coordinator being fired. And if that wasn't enough, the kicker is that the Colts are now one game away from the division lead oh. in the AFC South. Oh and my they God. have Minshew Mania running through their veins. What you gonna do when Minshew Mania is coming for you? <laughs> God. All you can do is hail Shane Steichen. And Colts, stop taking away our offensive coordinators. We got to put a, <laughs> we, we have to put an embargo on this. They have an Eagles pipeline, just like you guys have a Georgia pipeline. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Colts win thirty-one twenty-eight. That was a brilliant. And then on the other hand, you have the Chargers versus Patriots. <laughs> oh God. Do we really have to talk about this game? I'm, I'm just gonna be pretty brief. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go through this. Chargers win six to zero, six to nothing, and this resulted in an earth-shattering tra uh, tragedy that happened at Gillette Stadium on December third, twenty twenty-three. Please give a moment of silence for offensive explosion, because this game just witnessed the death of offensive explosion. It was a routine winter Sunday morning <laughs> that just turns into the death knell of offensive prowess with two NFL offenses just mustered up six points in the entire game. I just want to <laughs> go through the, pa uh, the offensive drives, if you don't mind. Oh, God. Okay. Wait, wait. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Wait. I'm gonna guess. What's um? I'm going to bet the over on ten punts. Ten punts. Ten punt. No, no. I'm gonna say fifteen punts, and I'm betting the over. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll count them up. Punts. Okay. Punt. Punt. Fumble. Punt. 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 Field goal. Punt. Punt, punt, field goal, end of the half. Punt, 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 <laughs> punt, punt, turnover on downs, punt, turnover on downs, end of game. So 10 punts. 10 punts? So it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the Patriots. Oh, sorry, not, not 10 punts. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 15, 15 punts. You called it 15 oh, punts, but well, you don't get the over. Shit, I should have taken the points. <laughs> you should have taken the 10. 
You should have no, bet the over know, on 10. You know, as I said, I should have taken the punts for the 15 <laughs> 15 punts in a game. But Lord, can they torture look us at, even more? Dude, look at how many three and outs it was. One, oh, two, three, oh, four, God. five, six, seven, seven. Seven three and outs. Seven three and outs. <laughs> oh my God, man. 64,000 people paid tickets to watch this football game. 64,000 people paid money to watch this football game. And it's not just $1. It's not just $2 per ticket. It's often hundreds of dollars per ticket. The Chargers and the Patriots probably made Two and a half, three million dollars on this entire game. And you all you could muster was 15 punts and six points. Not even a touchdown. Two field goals. I uh, uh, I have no idea. Uh let's get let's just get to another overtime game. Please, Bengals, Jags, Bengals win 34. 31. Two overtime games in the same week as the death knell of the offensive explosion with the Chargers and the Patriots. I mean, Jake Browning is the messiah for Cincy right now. And the Glitter Kitties will have their revenge on Brandon Perna for cursing the Jags with the now infamous curse wheel twice. It landed on the same number repetitively twice. That curse wheel hated Jacksonville. Maybe it was punishing the $22 million thief. Who knows? Anyways, I mean, uh, <laughs> now there's another yawn game. Falcons, Jets, 13-8 to eight Falcons win. Someone won. Yay. But I have one question. A-Rod, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Why do you want to come to this team? The the first points were literally that that was scored was a safety. Uh. Uh, like, uh, why? Uh, to finish it off, Cardinals versus Steelers. Cardinals blow off the Steelers, blow them out, twenty-four to ten. Tipler, typical Steelers nonsense. You show up like you're a playoff contender, only to blow off against the second worst team in the league. But yeah, that's it from my side on the AFC. What about you, Duckshuck? What about the yeah. NFC? Oh, God. Dallas versus Seattle, man. On Thursday, Seattle, you had a chance, but say it with me, Anand. You blew it. You blew it. You had it on. You blew it. I mean, this admin against this vaunted Cowboys defense, Geno Smith was really good to begin with in the first half. He was 23 for 41, 344 yards of passing, three touchdowns and one interception. I mean, and comparing to Dak Prescott, 29 for 41, 299 yards and three touchdowns. But my God, if we were talking about Deron Bland being like all good, right? Dude, DK Metcalf said not today. Whenever Deron Bland was on DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf, 
I mean, like DK Metcalf just roasted him. Six receptions for 134 yards and three touchdowns before they switched over with Stephon Gilmore. And Jackson Smith and Jigba failed to get me a touchdown, damn it. But understand this, Anant. On a fourth and two play, are you leaving Micah Parsons al alone to be not alone to not be guarded? What were the Seahawks doing? Why? That's bad. That is a criminal performance by that. Miami versus Miami versus next game. Miami's versus the Commanders. Bro, the Dolphins just ran rough shot. Tyreek Hill had two touchdowns and um he had five, two two touchdowns along with five catches for 157 yards. And of course, he did a roller coaster celebration, which I thought was really cool. Devon H.A. ran for two touchdowns in his return after missing five of his last six games. So hopefully I started Devon H.A. So I'm happy with that. So Tua did not turn over the ball. Good job on that. And Commanders, it's it's just bad. Fourth game in a row that they've lost, and they've been outscored 90 90 to 25 over the past two weeks, past two games. They've lost nine out of 11 since opening the season with back-to-back -back victories. And it, and it was so bad that Mike White replaced them to a, to a, um, in the fourth quarter, like uh, early in the fourth quarter and Mike White threw for a touchdown. And, and apparently, and, um, and apparently what was really, really funny was that when Tyreek Hill ran for a touch, got the touchdown, apparently it was told that he ran the wrong route. And I saw this from like the NFL films back, but um, apparently Eric Bieni was really pissed at Sam Howell for that, for throwing a pick six. 45 to 15, the Dolphins win. Um, Bucks versus Panthers. The Bucks should be thankful that they have Mike Evans on their team. And he and Mike Evans, congratulations on getting 1,000 yards of receiving for your 10th straight year. And he scored on a 75-yard touchdown. My God. He joins Jerry Rice as those players to string together 10 consecutive seasons with 1,000-plus yards receiving. I mean, that's just – to have a player like this, that's just blessed. He had like seven receptions for 162 yards. Um, along with that, I mean, Baker Mayfield should be thankful. He should erect an alt. He should like have an altar for Mike Evans saying like, thank you. Thank you very much for this. But I mean, on the other side, Bryce, I mean, the, the Panthers did have some success when they ran the ball, but not with Miles Sanders, but with Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard, 25 carries for 140, 104 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Bryce Young, I mean, it's just sad, like that he's 15 for third. 15 for 31, 178 yards, one touchdown. I mean, like I get with Frank Reich being fired and all that, but I think they, I think um it's a good start, but you gotta get a win somehow. I don't know when that win will be, but but it's impossible. Bucks Bucks just dominated. Bucks won this game. Then last but not least, Rams versus Browns, like. Oh my God, Matt Stafford had 
he had a show. Three touchdown passes as the Rams pulled away in the fourth quarter. And they won three straight for the first time in the since the 2021 season in which they won the Super Bowl. They're one of the four teams in the NFC that are six and six. And they're in race for the last two wildcard spots. So the race is getting a little bit tighter. And those three touchdowns, one of them was to a Mr. Puka Nakua. Oh, my God. Welcome. A four receptions, 105 yards, one touchdown, and he had a 70-yard bomb against this Browns defense that has been that has suffered a lot of setbacks, especially with Miles Garrett and um <clears throat> and with Miles Garrett and um and some of their star corners out. I mean, I get that there were injuries, but the but but my goodness. The Browns, they're seven and five, but they're going in the opposite direction. And now with they dropped their second straight, especially with the debut of Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco, I thought he had an okay game. And um he I mean his, I mean his stats, I'm 23 for 44, 254 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But um honestly, I did what was even more shocking is that the run game was not effective um they didn't i they did hand over the ball to kareem on 12 for 12 carries but none of the running backs aren't helping so they have to rely on the pass a lot but uh but i think like the but after that the um the the rams are almost back in title they're almost back in playoff contention man well done that's all i have for um the democracy that's uh, all i have for punch minutes for the nfc yeah, I mean the Rams. I mean it was a surprising victory against uh, a. Pretty... I need to pick that Puka Nakua, man. I need to pick him yeah. back. Yeah. Alrighty, moving on to the Masala moment of the week, and the reason why I had said I had a little bit of a surprise for the Colts versus Titans is because, amongst the many plays that were great, the Colts versus the Titans had an impossible set of series of plays. And this week, I'm going to cheat again and pick that series. So I'm just going to set the stage here. It's the Colts versus the Titans. The game is very close. The Titans are leading 17 to 16 towards the end of the third quarter. It's a painful divisional matchup. Here's what happens. Third quarter, one minute left. Third and 10 for the Titans at the Tennessee 30-yard line. Will Levis completes a pass on third and 10, but it only goes for six yards to Tajay Spears. So that means it's a fourth and four. What do the uh, Titans do? They punt, except this time the punt gets blocked by Nick Cross, and it is picked up and rumbled into the end zone for a touchdown. It now becomes. 22 to 17 Colts leading. Is this the end of this play series? No, no, no. This next one just seals the deal for me. And it is when Gardner Minshew tries to complete a two point conversion to make it 24 17. Except it is intercepted by the Titans' safety, Amani Hooker, 
who then returns it all the way back to the other end zone for a pick two. So now the Titans get the two points instead of the Colts, and it becomes 22-19. I mean, Damn. that's probably the greatest series of plays I've ever seen in the past couple of years. A punt block return for a touchdown where the next play is a two-point attempt on that touchdown, which gets intercepted and returned for a pick two. A pick two. Uh, yeah. Nothing else can top this Masala moment for me. Nothing else. I think I may have to bet, bet you on this one. Okay. This okay. comes in your game. Packers versus Chiefs. You know what play I'm referring to. Third quarter. Fourth and one at the Kansas City 44. Jordan Love is in shotgun formation. You think he was going to go for a QB sneak or try for the love shove or the Green Bay version of the touch push? Nope. Wrong. He throws a bomb to Romeo Dubs. Romeo. Or, oh, Romeo, oh, Romeo, oh, wherefore art thou, oh, Romeo? Mm -hmm. My God, what a gutsy call to make that throw and dubs to dubs to catch it before he's tackled by a couple of chase defenders i thought getting that fort converting that fourth down and get and setting up that touchdown drive and to set up the touchdown drive to jordan to christian watson on a second and 12. that was the crucial turning point because without that score packers don't win this game man they do not win this game they, if you're playing a team like the Chiefs, you have to be scoring in every single quarter or or at least force or, or at least do do some of the things to like to 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 not let to not score as much as possible, right? So they did mm -hmm. what they needed to do and they did it damn well. What a gutsy throw by Jordan Love, man. And I I, I mean that kid's growing on me. I will say, dude. I will say that I'm, was. You know what? I'm, I know. I know. I think I'm. You know what? I'm aboard that love train, baby. Sign me up. Sign me Let's the go. f up. Next station playoffs. Because after you know what, if it and you know what, I hope and I pray to God, if if we have an NFC Championship game or a divisional game between the Eagles and the Packers. It's going to be tough because Ooh. you know why at the end? Because love hurts. Uh huh. Love hurts. It, 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 lo it lo love hurts. It love, love hurts, hurts. Life, man. Love does hurt. Especially when you got Valentine's coming through. <laughs> and it's upcoming on February. But man, you know mm -hmm. what? Screw it. I have a beat the doll moment right here. And I'm okay. going to wish for it. Divisional round. Eagles versus Packers. I'm calling it. Let's see. Let's see. That means either the Eagles. Okay. So if you're the second round, if you're the second seed, that means the Packers have to be the seventh seed. So that's possible. Or you're the third seed and the Packers are the sixth seed. If we, so if, if bearing a miracle, if we, if the oh, Eagles be the win card. the number one spot mm -hmm. and the Packers are able to pull off the impossible, 
I want to see that matchup. I think that would make it for great television, and that'll be our official NFL Masala Bowl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want it. I'm going to wishfully pray to pray for existence. Let's see, man. We got five more weeks. All righty. Uh, moving on. That's going to conclude the week 13 recap, and now we're going to oh. move on to the week 14 preview. Finally, moving on to the preview. Um, okay, starting with the Packers. We're facing the Giants. Um, <laughs> okay, that, should, I, should I get the Packers defense on this one? Yeah, if you give up, you know, 30 points to the Giants, you don't deserve to be coaching in the NFL. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah uh yeah this has to be a victory here okay it's against one of the worst offenses in the league literally one of the two worst offenses in the league they're 31st in terms of passing dvoa and rushing dvoa they're 32nd uh in terms of pass protection on the o-line they're 32nd in terms of adjusted line yard 32nd in adjusted sack rate so they suck while throwing the football they suck while running the football. They suck in terms of the offensive line for both pass protection and rushing. And they just stink. They score 13.2 points per game in the NFL uh, this season, which is like th- second or third lowest in the in the entire NFL. They have only scored over 17 points twice. That's it. The Packers defense, however, 20.3 point, uh uh, points per game allowed and we've held opponents to under 20 points or fewer seven times in the uh in in this year so this the packers d line first off is going to be feasting on this giants o-line all right what i mentioned about uh the o-line being terrible in pass protection you look at their offensive line uh players who have all you know played a minimum of 250 pass, uh, pass protection snaps Andrew Thomas doesn't even qualify because he's uh, scored less than 250 snaps. But Justin Pugh, left guard, 56th out of 58th offensive guards in the league. Ranked. John Michael Schmitz, their center, 32nd out of 34th offensive uh, offensive, uh, centers. Right guard, Ben Bredesen, 51st out of 58th. And then Evan Neal, right tackle, 59th out of 66 offensive tackles. Like, all five of their offensive line starters are bad. They stink, which means this D-line, if I don't see five or more sacks against this offensive line, I'm going to do something. I will... Uh, mm, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of something. What should what should I do if the Packers D line fails to score more than five sla- five sacks? We're five gonna sacks. decide and let you guys know. Oh God! We're oh, gonna God. decide and let you guys know. Bro, you don't five. have to do this yourself, dude. No, don't be a god for punishment, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But the only worry for me is Saquon Barkley. He hasn't performed well all season. Out of 42 running backs with more than 75 rushing attempts, he's 41st in success rate, and he's mid-30s in terms of DVOA and DYAR. But this could be his get-right game because 
we allow every running back to have a, a hundred yard rushing game. Right, any running back you see has probably had a hundred yard rushing game against this rush defense. That's my only worry. Is this pack? Is this? Giants rushing offense is going to take over and they're just going to not let Jordan Love have the football. But honestly, that's probably the least of my worries on the on the offense from uh, on the defensive side. For the offensive side, the only thing we have to be mindful of, just don't turn the ball over. Right In the Giants two game win streak, 34 out of their 41 points have been scored off of turnovers. So it's like, when you when 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 you're turning the ball over, they're just going to take advantage of it, and they're really good at taking advantage of it of of taking advantage of short fields. But they're not good at scoring on their own volition. So all we need to do is just execute the same plan that we had against the Chiefs and against the Lions. You use AJ Dillon as a cold weather running beast. You don't throw risky throws. Christian Watson might be injured. So that's okay. Just keep him sidelined for more important games and for the playoffs. So honestly, if the D-line, which I think has like a 90% chance of getting more than five sacks total, if the offense gets their running game going, which they have the ability to do against this Jets, uh, against this Giants defense, the Packers win 28 to 17. I... I don't think this is the game that we drop if we do drop a game. It might be the Vikings. It might be the Bucks, but not this game. We have to win this game. We have to. But anyways, that's it from the Packers. Moving on to the Eagles. They're facing the Cowboys. Yep, it's that time of the week. And you know what week I call it? It's Dallas week. Uh -huh. And I think I should be really, really optimistic about this stuff, right? But apparently I'm not. Some odd reason, I feel like uh, it's just it's just a game, right? And unfortunately, I don't know why. I mean, I want to figure out, like, why the hell am I feeling like this, right? So I looked at this in multiple scenarios. After getting our asses kicked by the, um, by the Niners, I all I could say is this like this is right now uh, uh this is it right now put up or shut up this is huge pressure on the Eagles now but luckily we got some reinforcements back Dallas Goddard is coming back to play that's good right Anand? Mm -hmm. that's to be good and also Zach Cunningham will be there but also, even better, we have um, Shaq Leonard joining in the team after signing with the Eagles for a one year, and um, and I did. And luckily, that and I had to look at this at multiple angles. Eagles offense versus the Cowboys defense. If you're if you're the Eagles offense, you got you cannot allow Dallas's defense led by Dan Quinn to come and attack to like attack Jalen Hurts and to getting to Hurts. And especially with that, especially with the core of like um, Ozo Digizua, Micah Parsons. Um, should I, do I need to explain further? Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, no, no. I mean, yeah. I think the Shaq Leonard pick is going to be the best asset for you guys. Because 
Um, yeah, he's had kind of a down year this year, which is why he was released. He's had injuries, but he's still a pretty good sideline to sideline run. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, like I could I'd talk about Micah Parsons, Osa Digizua, Tank Lawrence, um, Mozzie Smith, mm -hmm. and. And I mean, but they also have like great secondary players and Stefan Gilmore, Duran Bland. Um, I mean, Malik Hooker, Marquise, Marquise Bell, play, who's now playing corner, now playing linebacker. Um, and, for, and they don't have linebacker. They don't have that depth in linebacker that they wanted, especially with um, Leighton Vanderish going after the season. And um, with, with, uh, with injuries in the neck. But now with Dallas Goddard, uh, but now with this, um, if I'm the Eagles, you have to start with running the goddamn uh, – get the F counter ready, man. You got to start with running the goddamn fucking football. You got to get the right you, – you, the play calling has to be right. Brian Johnson cannot get out coached like that. And Dan Quinn is a coach that can take advantage of it. And, I mean, their rush defense – uh, the, I mean, the Cowboys' rush defense is apparently ninth in DVOA with um, negative with negative fifteen point three. And and here's the thing: when you're running the football, you're allowing this defense that the Cowboys run because to stack the box by stacking the box, they're trying to bring more towards that middle. Of the, they're trying to cover a lot of the middle of the field so they they can account for the running back. And when they do that, you're going to have those one-on-one -on -one matchups. So. Let's say Anant, you're the Cowboys defensive coordinator on the Eagles offensive. If I'm putting AJ Brown, who are you gonna? Who's your corner that you're gonna cover with? I'm gonna give uh, my best corner in Stephon Gilmore. Best cover corner in Stephon Gilmore. Press AJ Brown and then have like a safety shade over him. Yeah, you go double, but and then of course you're going to have to put Deron Bland over Devonte Smith. This is the same Devonte Smith who has roasted Devon Bland. Deron Bland. This is the same Deron Bland who got, who was the, who, who became the stepson of um, DK Metcalf. You <laughs> saw what DK Metcalf did. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. So Deron <laughs> Bland, he's got to be on his game. Otherwise, he's going to, his spice level is going to go back down to salt. Oh, yeah. And, and even if they, do, and even if they have, um, and even if they try and do that, I'm still, I'm still, I'm actually a little bit more confident in this Eagles offense to have a bounce back game because now with Dallas Goddard coming back in, oh my God, you know what's going to excel a little bit more? Dude, mm -hmm. 12 personnel is going to come back. Oh, so oh, vastly baby. needed for you guys. Even in 11 personnel, you, you sorely needed Dallas Goddard. I think he was the missing piece for you guys against the Niners. Because he was that outlet for for uh, Jalen Hurts when you don't have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and they're being taken out off the board by an experienced defensive coordinator, Dallas Goddard is the guy who's going to get open and get those completions. At least where you don't have to, uh, where Jalen Hurts doesn't have to throw the uh, you know the football or he, where he doesn't have to hold the football for like ten seconds. Oh, 100%. And I I mean, like, it's, it, it, I, I'm so happy about it. Like, 
I, I mean, this is like the best news I've ever had. I wanted to have some good news. And I wanted to see more options with DeAndre Swift. Now with Dallas Goddard coming in, he brings that extra protection. He, he definitely helps it. And I mean, D I mean, I want to see more of Rashad Penny because he's a big bruiser. And remember, when the Cowboys mainly stack the box, they'll try and do their best to cover the middle of the field. But being slightly better when they go light, especially when they play zone, I trust this Eagles offensive line to protect, which I thought they did a good job, especially against the Niners. You know what? Nick Bosa could could not stop Lane Johnson, man. Lane Johnson took him to the ground. But, mm -hmm. but, but, but. He was uh, assaulting Nick Bosa. <laughs> and Nick Bosa. He was, was just like putting him in like triangle chokeholds, basically. He was just stifling him. Yeah. And guess what, Bosa? You're a bitch. Just like your brother Joey Bosa. Uh, I'm I'm salty as hell on that one. Mm -hmm. And and you know what? Speaking of saltiness, you know what I'm bringing back, Anon? I'm bringing back the curse. Oh yeah, let's go. I am cursing the San Francisco 49ers. They will not. They will not go to the NFC Championship game. Even if they do, they will not win it. They will not even make it to the Super Bowl. We'll see. And we'll see. The Rockstar curse has been established. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, I think, like, but now, it, but I'm just happy that we have had Dallas Goddard back, like, in that personnel. And it helps so much, like... <laughs> I mean, and and I could trust like if you go in and another thing, I don't want to see Quez Watkins on that field. Try use more of Alameda Zacchaeus and get the run running game schemes to work. And and use DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. I don't want to see Kenny Gainwell unless it's for passing downs. Hell, try and use Boston Scott more. Don't save him for Giants games, which I'm gonna activate him anyway. Like, good lord. Um, yeah, but anyway, I think I'm ha I think um this Eagles offense can perform. Like, what are your thoughts on this uh, offense now with Dallas Gardner coming back? Anything else that you want to that I would love your input on this one? I think you're gonna score more points against the against the Cowboys than you did against the Niners, especially because you have Dallas Goddard back. I think it's gonna be a great uh, outlet piece for Jalen Hurts. He's gonna get back track uh back on track to uh, on his MVP you know, caliber season and uh, it's going to be an exciting game to watch. Um, maybe Jalen Hurts throws a pick because of, of, you know, the attitude that he has towards, uh, you know, being sort of like a gunslinger. Yeah. But I think it's definitely going to be more uh, prolific uh, against the Cowboys secondary and defense than against the, Niners uh defense. My only worry mm -hmm. is that O-line. Your O-line has not been good. Yeah, 100%. I mean like I mean with Cam Jurgens getting bullied, I know that he's mainly of a center role, but um especially with the Cowboys like that defensive line is ferocious. But as exactly. long as uh, but if the Eagles are able to build off with that run game and they chew off that clock that's the best kind of defense because it keeps Dak Pres Dakota John Prescott 
on the sideline and he could talk about his poop poop commercials a lot more did you see what he's done lately i saw that i saw that <laughs> oh he yeah. can make a lot of shit commercials because he's going to be sitting on the bench at the end of the season because he ain't going to go to the super bowl there but you go now, he's got he's got six months to make his commercials <laughs> oh yeah but not i mean he's already making early progress with yeah. here we go <laughs> He's probably going to say, here we go, after we say, oh, here's here's my commercial. Here we go. <laughs> now, uh, here is the big one. This is the big question mark. The Eagles defense versus the Cowboys offense. Um, God help God help us. We need divine intervention for this game, honestly. But um I I, I but here, but my question is this. How do you stop CD Lamb if he's going to the slot, knowing that the Niners killed us on it? Yes, we got Shaq Leonard back. Yes, we're getting Zach Cunningham back for this game. So, I mean, if if, if I'm Sean Desai, um, I would put my best corner on. I have to. I would bracket CD Lamb. That's my take. You put mm -hmm. him. You assign either Bradley Roby if he's in the if he's playing slot. You go Darius Slay, or I would say go Darius Slay, and bracket him with either Kevin Byard or Reed Blankenship. Yeah, I think you need to. You need to put two players. You need to double CD Lamb. You can't then, let him. CD Lamb is big. Then, then you also have the threat of Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has been putting up a great. I mean, you, we saw like Brandon Cooks getting more involved in that last game against against the Forty ers no, no, no! Against the against the Seahawks, and if I'm and, and if I and and if I'm the Eagles, I you have to put James Bradbury. And funny thing is, Bradbury allowed zero catches um, against the 49ers yesterday. Well, there you go, there you go. So I think with Brandon Cooks, he's not right now in this last four games. He has had 20 catches for 332 yards and three touchdowns. He's the number two. So I gotta. I would say you put James Bradbury. If he, if Brandon Cooks is signing on the outside, you gotta go James Bradbury. Maybe you put Bradley Roby as the, in that slot position, but Bradbury has to be on the outside. And and I think, and 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 then of course you gotta stop the run. I mean, of course the Niners have that were have that personnel which is strong. The Cowboys. Cowboys running game. What are your thoughts on this, Anand? Is it like meh or eh? What do you say? I mean, I think it's meh. I would rather focus uh, my attention on the Cowboys receivers. Yeah, if they beat you with the running game, then that's that's your own fault. But they're not known for their running game this year. And unlike previous years where they had Zeke and and Tony Pollard, you know, both of them running at a high, you know, efficient uh, efficiency. That was the talk of the town. It wasn't really Dak Prescott, but yeah. now it is Dak Prescott and these receivers and the way that they're just exploiting the weak defenses that they've seen. Right, and I and here and this is the big and now this is the big one. Like especially with the run game, Dak Prescott also killed us with his feet when he was running outside the edges. When he's scrambling, mm -hmm. he's able to you make those. Have to contain. We got. You, you cannot blitz against Dak Prescott. You yeah. have to play. I mean. Here's my idea. Hear me out. If you're going to go five-man front, I would say you put Zach Cunningham and, um, and Shaq Leonard. 
Shaq Leonard will play some limited snaps, but let's see. And and here's what I'm thinking. I would put Leonard, Shaq Leonard, as a QB spy because he's also good in middle of the field coverage because our linebackers couldn't do shit by then. Mm-hmm. And and also this could be a game in which hell we could try. I want to see deploy maybe bring in Sydney Brown like a, a, as a third safety. Maybe you go three safety look. Have bring Sydney Brown as a as a nickel. Maybe try that. Like because there's one guy that's I mean Jake Ferguson, who I also picked up on fantasy. I basically have Travis Kelsey, Jake Ferguson, and Dallas Goddard on my on my fantasy roster. By the way, <laughs> I mean, so who do you start? I mean, I think you start Jake Ferguson. I yeah, think I, I got Jake Ferguson, Ferguson and Dallas and Dallas Goddard for yeah. this game. Um, but I think like, but with Jake, but I mean with Ferguson um, against the Eagles, he had seven catches on ten targets for ninety-one yards and a touchdown, plus a passing interference call that he called pulled back. And now with Shaq Leonard coming in, I don't know. I mean, I just still think the opposing, uh, like the Cowboys, are still going to attack the uh, the middle of the field. They're going to bring in CD Lamb for the for. And um and probably um Jake Ferguson, uh and I mean I I also want to don't want to forget Luke Schoonmaker. I thought he had a he although he had like a small touchdown along with Cavante Turpin. Michael Gallup has been an afterthought, and especially mm -hmm. with Brandon Cooks coming back. But still, you cannot underestimate the, the the offensive firepower of the Cowboys. And and with Mike McCarthy calling plays, I thought they've done a damn good job at it. Surprisingly, and. But also, the biggest, I mean, their offense, and credit to that offensive line for the Cowboys, man, they have done a solid job. But here's the key part. In the Eagles win against the, against the, um, uh, and when the Eagles won that game against the Cowboys, there was one week, there's one weakness on that Cowboys roster, uh, on that offensive line. And guess who it is? Tyler Smith. Terrence Steele, right oh, tackle. He gave up four sacks. Ooh. One to Hassan Reddick, two to Brandon Graham, and one to Josh Sweat. Remember Josh Sweat in that big play mm -hmm. in, in that fourth quarter? Like they were trying to go, they were in, they were literally in first and goal positions. Like, oh, great. The Eagles are going to lose this game. Then Josh Sweat big beats um, Terrence Steele in that package. And I think if you're going to go with that, like, I would I would try and put Hassan Reddick on Terrence Steele or even Josh Sweat. Hell, I think that, but I think the Cowboys are not going to be that stupid. They're going to try and bring, they're going to, they're going to try and bring in some help. So, which is why you, which is why it's going to be a little bit tougher to get Prescott, but the defense has to play a proper mix of zone and press man coverage. I mean, if you need to chip CD Lamb and bracket him and he's, and you're saying, hey, Cowboys, beat, make it beat us with uh, with someone other than CD Lamb. If they're able to do that, I think the Eagles will win this game. But looking at this from all sides, man, it is going to be a tough game. The Eagles will get some good fire offensive firepower, and it's going to be a close game. But I think the Cowboys win this game 30-27 because the Eagles have not won this in the one in 18th Stadium since 2017 on that Super Bowl year. The Cowboys have won 14 straight at their home. It's going to be impossible. I mean, barring a miracle, I think the Eagles can do it, but I don't think they won this game. Yeah, I think they just have a lot of things going against them. But with the Shaq Leonard uh, pickup, I think I'm going to go for the Eagles. 
Oh, you're calling the upset? Mm, well, not yeah, because upset. here's the thing: the Cowboys are actually are three point five. They're they're three point five um, favorites. Oh wow! I didn't realize that it was that you know far away in terms of um in 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 terms of the uh, betting odds. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm calling the upset then. Wow. What's your score prediction on this one? 33 31. Oh! My Close god. Game, explosive game. Damn. Heart attacks galore on that one. And, mm -hmm. and by the way, my prediction for the Packers Giants game, here's my take on this one. You're going to love this. Okay. <laughs> 35 to 14. Packers lay an absolute beatdown and they bring in Sean Clifford in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I hope so. I hope And so. you That's know it's gonna be even more funny. Sean yeah. Clifford will throw for a garbage touchdown. Oh, I hope so, dude. To someone like Samari Toure. <laughs> Poor guy. He's just been like he's just been outcasted in this entire wide receiver like kerfuffle. With you know Christian Watson coming up, Romeo Dobbs coming up, Dontavian Wicks coming up, the rookie, Jaden Reed coming up, the rookie, Malik Heath, the undrafted rookie. Like Samori Therese just dropped down the pecking order so far, but he was pretty good for us in the preseason. Anyways, we'll see. Yeah, that's that's a dream scenario. But enough of our games. Let's move on to the Masala games of the week that we have selected that we are going to watch. And for me, it's going to be an underrated but exciting game. It's going to be the Ravens and the Rams, both 500 or above. Ravens, number one, I think, number one or number two in the AFC right now at nine and three. And the Rams are six and eight, uh, six and six, knocking on the door to the playoffs with a three game win streak, right? They're, they're right there with the Packers in terms of getting into the playoffs. And it might be an exciting game uh, if the Ravens cave again to weaker components and play down to them right yeah they're clearly not played, they, yeah. they have not played um part of my um my bad if i'm interrupting but no, the Ravens have not played a complete game i have yet to see that performance I yeah mean, or they've had blog games but can you play a game full with top to bottom one quarter to quarter number four that's all we are asking yeah, and it's not, not only that, I think the Ravens are the definition of consistent inconsistency, right? Like, they, they are just, you don't know which Ravens you're going to get. Are you going to get the Lions Ravens where you put a beat down on them, 38-3 to three or something like that, where you just completely annihilated that defense? Or are you going to get, like, a, a Ravens or, or, or Browns uh, Ravens team oh, where God. you just lose like 19 to 16 or something like that, right? It really does not, is not consistent. What is consistent though, is the Ravens, um, you know, defense. That defense has been really, really good, especially as of late. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, this, this defense, they are um, number one in terms of passing DVOA. And number four in terms of rushing, rushing DVOA. And I think that's the thing that this defense needs to uh, focus on. Because the Rams inside dual run scheme that they've got going on there with Sean McVay, 
it's been really, really good so far. Uh, at least, especially in this three-game win streak with Kyron Williams as their lead back, because they're averaging 143 yards per game as a team, rushing yards per game as a team in this three-game win streak. Nearly 150 rushing yards a game in this three-game win streak. That is spectacular. That's exactly what you want with an offense that, is led by Matt Stafford, who's coming back with an elbow injury. Uh, Cooper Cup, who's coming back from a season-ending injury. Puka Nakua, who's also injured, but who's also performing well. Right, this is what you want as a Rams fan. Just focus on running the football. Focus on your in, you know, um, just just exploiting the lanes. And this offensive line has been pretty good too. Like surprisingly, pretty decent. I believe they're like somewhere around like the mid. Um, if you want to take a look at their, uh, excuse me, but if you want to take a look at their, uh, adjusted line yards, their O-line is pretty good. They're eighth in the league in terms of adjusted line yards. They're generating about 4.4 yards with their offensive line movements. So that's more than enough with what you need. And, you know, that's 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 basically what you want from your offensive line just generating a lot of that um uh, a, a lot of that push right there in the in the beginning now that's that's what the ravens need to really focus on is they need to figure out a way to stop this run scheme probably run a lot of five man pressures six man pressures right <clears throat> bring your uh you know linebackers closer to the line of scrimmage uh this this way you have more people in the box you have uh, an easier time against this run scheme now this you know it would have been an issue if you don't have the secondary to keep up with puka nakua and cooper cup but luckily for the ravens you do you have one of the best secondaries if not the best secondary in the league right now you have the number one pass defense in the league right now uh and you know you are seventh in terms of pressuring QBs uh, on on the first down as well. So this is an excellent game for the Ravens defense to show up and completely stymie this Rams offense. If they if they do, then the Ravens have a shot at winning. Now the Ravens also have a shot of winning from the offensive standpoint, and that is. Really exploit the play-action passing, which is what makes this Ravens um, defense so elite this year. The Rams have only the 17th pass DVOA, which means they're not really good at protecting, uh, at preventing explosive passing offenses. And the Ravens have one of the best explosive passing offenses. They're fifth in EPA on play-action passing. So one of the most efficient, one of the most explosive teams in play-action especially when they run out of a one tight end personnel, whether it's 11 personnel or 21 personnel, since they run out of it 65% of the times, one of the highest in the league, uh, and in specifically 11 personnel, they pass 93% of the time, right? So <clears throat> this this goes to show that they've, under Todd Munkin, they've put in a lot of effort in terms of uh, creating a deliberate uh, explosive passing attack. Now, the thing is, in that formation, yeah, they pass a lot, but they're not 
that good in terms of EPA per play. They're really good in terms of play action passing, and that's because they're able to set up the rushing game. Um, but I think they need to, out of 11 personnel, they really need to run more because the Rams have the 21st rushing, rushing DVOA. They also have the 8th, the 18th in terms of second level, so the linebackers. So play action passing, uh, play action in 11 personnel, Especially if you run from it a lot, uh, run from uh, this formation, it's going to really confuse the linebackers even more. Um, just like what the Niners did against the Eagles. Like they confused the heck out of the Eagles' uh, linebackers because you just didn't know when the Niners were going to run or they're going to pass in the same exact formation. They also used motion to uh, uh, complete the trickeration. So, yeah, for the Ravens' offense, uh, you need to focus on the running game. <clears throat> focus on the running game to build a, a, your explosive play-action passing. And if you do that, then you have a shot at winning. Right Now, the Rams to win, the best way for them to win is you have to force pressure in 11 personnel, but you also have to keep contained. Yeah, so with Bobby Wagner covering, uh, especially being a QB spy, I think... You know, if you're able to contain Lamar and keep him in the pocket, there's more chances for turnovers, which is why I think you would win win this game. If, if you're the Rams, you have to focus on turnovers, especially fumbles. The Ravens are one of the most susceptible teams to fumbles. They're the sixth highest uh, team in terms of fumbles per game at around 1.51. So they are giving you freebies relatively frequently throughout uh, an entire game by uh, coughing up the ball in, in the fumbles. And that starts with Lamar. Like the way that he runs, it's extremely efficient for him, but it also is extremely, uh, sorry, explosive for him, but it's also extremely costly and risky because of the way that he holds a football. It's very easy to uh, tap his wrist and, and, and loosen the football. So for the Rams, you have to focus on creating more pressure, especially when the Ravens run 11 personnel. And you need to get Aaron Donald um, involved here. So figure out a way to, to increase the pressure. Probably, you know, running a lot of five-man blitzes um, and hoping that you get in time with the, with the Ravens. Um, and last but not least, you got to stop the RPOs uh, by lining up close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, that starts with, you know, Bobby Wagner right there. So I think the Rams put up a fight, but I think the Ravens win in a explosive, explosive game, 30 to 26. Nice. Yeah, I would think so too. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless the Ravens try and get the, their quote-unquote complete defensive performance, if they could do that, then I think they dominate this game. But then again, it's any given Sunday. Crazy things have happened. Mm -hmm. Now, my game is the Bills versus the Chiefs. Ooh. Part how many? I think I've lost track. I think part three or four right now. Part four. I'll say part yeah. four. Since Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes have played against right, each other. Right, right, right. That's all. I think this is the must win for the Bills. Right now, they're six and six, and they're eyeing on that wild card position and it's yeah they're facing an old foe that is kansas city 
And remember, this is a Chiefs team that has come coming back after a loss against the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I need a laugh. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I had to do that. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing at the Chiefs for their patheticness. They're mm -hmm. crying and whining. They thought they could get all the rest, but no, they suck. <laughs> they have no wide receivers. How sad. <laughs> They're depending on a bunch of old rooks, but yeah. Anyway, um, I'm done with my trash talking of the Chiefs. No, I'm still gonna do that because right now is the first time in NFL Masala history that we have beaten the Chiefs, both of our teams. I'm going exactly. to keep on saying this. And by the way, they have there's a huge set of injuries on the Chiefs side. Guess who they're gonna be missing out, man? No Isaiah Pacheco because of a shoulder. No Drew Tranquil on their linebacker for a concussion. No Brian Cook, their free safety with an ankle injury. And no Donovan Smith, their offensive tackle with a neck injury. They have no running That's game. A they, That's a ton of injuries. So you were going to rely on Jerick McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Mm -hmm. I, I mean... For the Chiefs to win this game, um, how do you win this game, Kansas City, when you don't have Pacheco? They, I, I mean, uh, I mean, how you gotta win? First of all, you have to win in the red zone because, uh, basically, what I mean by winning in the red zone, you have to score touchdowns. Stupid, they're. Um, and this is a crazy stat that I found on the Kansas City Chiefs website alone. When they were doing the preview, they said this, and I quote, I want you to think about this. Kansas City was limited to a season-low seven quote-unquote true possessions last week against Green Bay. And while the Chiefs largely moved the ball effectively throughout the game, Kansas City's red zone touchdown efficiency at just 50% was magnified due to its limited drives. Okay, but when they've won games, Kansas City scoring touchdowns in the red zone at 61%. When they're losing, they only do so at a 42.42.0% success rate. What are your thoughts on that, man? What is the thought? Especially when you don't have a running one, especially when you don't have a running backs in Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, that, I mean, there that, that's a difficult choice for a uh, difficult place to be in for the Chiefs now. Isaiah Pacheco has been one of their most effective, uh, explosive weapons, uh, especially out of the backfield, especially outside of Mahomes. And so you've lost another weapon now. So that means it's just Mahomes and him now. Yeah, it's just, no, basically, you're stuck with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon. How, I mean, if I know one player, that one coach that can try and scheme up some multiple offensive threats, that will be Andy Reid. But, I mean, not having Pacheco and you have to depend upon just Travis Kelsey, 
I don't even know if Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, Sky Moore, Richie James, Kadarius Tony, or hell, Marquise Valdez Scantling. If he can even catch a freaking deep ball, hey, I I don't know, man. Do they really have a wide receiver that will that will scare this Bills defense? I know I'm asking you a, like an actual question, and I was like, I want to know: Do do the Chiefs have a number one threat other than outside of Travis Kelsey to stop this Bills no, defense? No. I, I mean, you have you'll have to pull off some magic out of your ass to win this game, Kansas City. I mean, I don't. I mean, I can. I I wish I could tell you stats. I wish I could bring up DVO. I mean, I'm looking at offensive DVOA, man. They're number four. They're the number fourth DVOA. Um, it, it, yeah, in number four, fifth total offensive DVOA, they're fifth in the past, tenth against the rush, but they got no running backs. How I mean, outside of Mahomes scrambling, but then again, like I would this bit. I mean, the, the Buffalo has a as as a as a good defense. I'm just gonna say good. I mean, Greg Russo, Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, Von Miller, and now with Jordan Phillips, AJ Epineza. They're coming back a little bit more healthier than the than the Bills, man. No, no, than the Chiefs. Basic, um, I mean, Von Miller coming back, and uh, guess what? Even, even crazier, they're um, Dane. They're gonna get back. Um, they're gonna get back Jane, Dane Jackson, who is their backup corner, and and I mean, Kyrie Elam is still on IR, but they're getting Taylor Rapp, back, their safety back. Um, they get Von Miller's back outside. Leonard Floyd's Leonard Floyd is returning. Like that's just that bye week came at a bit at a crucial time of month. You want to like? I mean, I have no injury designations for the Bills. That bye week came at the right time, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and here's the thing: for the Bills to win. Of course, you got to keep Kansas City out of the red zone, make them score field goals. But, and also the biggest thing, do not blitz Patrick Mahomes. Remember, folks, do not blitz Patrick Mahomes. Repeat this, Anand. Do not blitz Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. The last When the Bills have, have blitzed Mahomes, they blitzed him at a lower rate in his previous five matchups. 29 blitzes in 236 dropbacks. <laughs> Imagine that. Isn't that crazy, man? Dude. <laughs> Insane. That, I mean, you don't need to be a freaking rocket scientist. I mean, a rocket scientist on that, but, but I mean, like, also. But yeah, I mean, I could trust their defense to do that. Go four man rush. That's all you need to do, and that's the only thing that will get Sean McDermott some evaluation after some stupid shit he said that is about. Uh, remember, did you hear about what Sean Sean McDermott said? Oh yeah, I I don't even want to get into that one. Dude. Yeah, that's just so. That's, no, no, he's a dumbass for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also another thing, if I'm the Bills. Win the turnover battle, even if they're shorthanded or not. Steve Spagnolo is a damn good defensive coordinator who can adjust in a matter of a seconds, man. 
and 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 I think and, and um and you can and one thing is that if I'm Josh Allen, no, no, and you have to win the turnover battle. Bales are five and one when they're turning over the when they're turning over fewer than twice than two times this season. The only time that they won the turnover battle and lost the game was against the Eagles. Kaka, kaka. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, I, I I have to say that. But again, if I'm the Bills, don't let Josh Allen do stupid, cute shit. Just dink and dunk if you need to. Run the damn ball with your running backs. I mean, you got James Cook, who's 10th in rushing with 731 rushing yards. And you also have a good back, a serviceable backup in Latavius Murray. I, I mean, that's all I that's all I think the Bills have to that's all the Bills have to do. Just keep on running the ball. And don't forget Josh Allen, he can run too. He's rushed for more than 2,000 yards over the last three seasons. I mean, like, and and of and um and, and in fact, when Dalvin when James Cook is rushing for 60 plus yards this season, the Bills are five and one. When he doesn't hit over 60 yards, man, the Bills are one and five. So what do you do? You feed, feed, help this deep, help, help this, help your um offensive line to protecting Josh Allen. Run the ball with James Cook. Let him get those big chunk yardages because the Chiefs have not been good against stopping the run. Uh, and if I'm looking and and just by that, looking at FTN according to FTN Fantasy, the Chiefs. Are actually 28 in DVOA against the rush. And with some of their starters, with I mean, and with some of their big players out in Brian Cook, Drew Tranquil, you know what I've been thinking on them? Run it through the run it through, run it through run it run it through the middle, man. Mm -hmm. Just run it through. Hell, Josh Allen doesn't need to throw that much. And it's and and of course. Buffalo has zero red zone turnovers this season, man. That is crazy. Because when they protect the ball, they find that success. They own the league's best third down offense, 49.7%. And its second best red zone offense, 67.4%. They're averaging the fifth most points per game, 27.3. And the way and the way Buffalo can win this game. They have they cannot turn over the, they have to win the turnover battle and run the ball with Josh Allen. And I'm looking and if I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs um like depth chart, I mean you got Drew you got Jerry Sneed and Trent McDuffie. Those are great corners. But I mean, with Dawson Knox coming back, you will have to keep an eye out on James Cook, Latavius Murray, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir. Dalton Kincaid, I don't know if the Chiefs have enough firepower to stop them. Do you? No, I don't think so, dude. I think the the Bills pull off this victory here. Yeah, I mean, like unless like they unless the unless the um, the, the Chiefs are able to blitz and get and force turnovers, especially with like Chris Jones, um, Willie Gay, and Derek Nadi and George Karloftis. 
which I think they may have the edge on that because of the Bills O-line not being able to do good with pass protection. But if they're, if they're running the ball and they're finding success success on it, it's going to be a long game. I mean, if the Bills have any chance of beating the Chiefs like they've done last year, look at the blueprint what Kansas City, uh, what um, Green Bay did. Look at the blueprint of what Philadelphia did against Kansas City. Take the lead early. You have to keep on scoring points. And with this one, I think the Bills, I think um the Bills win this game 35 to 28. Okay. Okay. Uh I think you know they, they go at that same level, uh, but it's gonna be a similarly explosive game. So, yeah, that's going to be it for us for this episode. A long, long episode because we had some stuff to get off of our chest. We had some soul-searching to do. Uh-huh. But it is the end of the episode nonetheless. So if you guys have enjoyed, please leave us a review at one of the four podcast platforms that we host this podcast on. Apple, Spotify, Google, and Pocket Cast. Or send us an email at nflmasala at gmail.com. Spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com. Or Rakshak. They can find us on our it's we have an Instagram page, which is all low all um lowercase at NFL M A S A L A 2022. That is at NFL M A S A L A 2022. All lowercase. And you can also follow us on Twitter or X at the same handle at NFL Masala 2022. And we're gonna hit you with our signature outro. Go pack go. And fly, Eagles fly. Take care. And Dallas still sucks.